Welcome back, folks, to the finale of Season 2, where we'll be tackling Episodes 8, 9, and 10. And if you guys notice something a little bit different today, it's because this is the very first Virtual Factor Fantasy with Chase and Josh. Awesome, man. It's good stuff. It's going to teach me to actually look at the camera more for our <laughs> audience members. So, so now you know, every time I make that Zoolander yeah. face, that's called Zoolander. Magnum. <laughs> I thought, wasn't it Blue Steel, or is that different? I guess it was. All right, weren't they all the same anyways? Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sleigh time, baby. Let's get a malice in the chalice before we get this bad boy going. Cheers, yeah. brother. Dilly dilly. Cheers, brother. So, guys, if you're just Man. listening to us on our regular podcast audio, you're probably not seeing or hearing anything too much different, but on our YouTube channel, we're throwing out the video at you. A lot different today. We're no longer together in the same room. We're doing it virtually in our own studios and uh, giving it to you that way. So it's going to be a little easier, uh, you know, instead of us both driving however long to get to the same place and uh, coming <laughs> back. So it's just uh, it worked out a little bit better for us in this in this environment. So looking forward to seeing how it goes from there. Good stuff, man. Hey, one thing, you know, it's it's crazy to think like we've already been on this kind of I call it a mini run with Westworld and we're already at the very end of season two and man like as we were talking about last episode season two was so damn detailed um I just even going into these last few episodes here um you know it, it's just wild how it's kind of thrown me into a loop so I'm interested to see how season three is going to go just for season three. Um, but man, yeah, it's just, uh, it's been one hell of a ride. <laughs> Sorry to get through this. And then you get emotionally attached to these characters too. So I'm sitting here thinking, you know, what, in three, four weeks, we'll be done with season three, right? And it's almost like emotionally sad we're like well we might pick this up next april <laughs> who knows if they take another year break like game of thrones did but who knows i don't know it's true and you know we also think about this way too there's only eight episodes in season three so hopefully you know it gets renewed because that's another thing i was going to talk about today and to your point it is very like these last three episodes are the biggest ones and the most important in season two and honestly as up to this point through season one and where we're at to season two these are the three biggest episodes because there's a lot of detail and what i was saying earlier today was like I checked like the Amazon, I use Amazon Prime, right, to watch these HBO shows, so I got the HBO channel through Amazon Prime, and so I can see the ratings, and there was like a little over 600 ratings for season two of Westworld, and it only had an average of 3.5 stars, and I know we talked about it on a previous podcast that like, you know, if you if you rated it bad, it's probably because you didn't understand it, well, understanding it really comes in these next three episodes, eight, nine, and ten, and so... That's why there's so much detail. You know, I almost felt like Chase here. I got took so many notes down for these last three here. Usually, <laughs> I'm the one, you know, taking the taking the shortcuts there, and, and at least just you know jotting down what's really important to the the plot line. But you know what? Everything in these next three episodes are super important to help you understand, you know, what's happening and when it's happening. Because I think that's where the majority of the lesser reviews come from. It's from people who are just not following and they don't understand. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is, because that was kind of my problem, too, when I first... Remember I told you I 
started watching this like a few years back when it premiered just to really see what it was but i only got like i watched season one and i watched like one episode into season two and i really just kept like stop like i couldn't even remember half of what i watched the first time because i really was just like you know you pick up a show here and there in between it because it's almost like it gets boring because you're not paying attention close enough to where you actually understand <laughs> what's going on. And that's one thing I think the audience misses with this show is this is not a show where you can do like homework or some shit in the background. Or you can sit there and like text someone on the phone. Like if you do that, you're going to miss a lot. You will be <laughs> literally 30 years off <laughs> from where you're supposed to be in the show. Dude, I couldn't agree more, man. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, just because of the amount of detail and stuff that we've got to get through, I, I say we, we, we jump right into uh, Season 2, Episode 8. Do you have anything else you want to add right before? No, man. Let's let's get it going. Let's get a malice in let's the chalice, him, brother. baby. Yeah. Cheers, man. Let's get that big dirty, that, that dilly, <laughs> that dill pickle. Uh, oh, yikes. nasty. <laughs> That's usually when Josh is like, no, <laughs> not dill pickle at fucking all. Yes. So, you know, let's do it. Season man. two, episode eight. I almost had to dis- transcribe this entire episode like word for word because this is where we learn of a new character, Akichita, who is super important to the plot line. Who's like kind of like an unsung guy throughout this entire time. You, we don't hear anything about him. We see Ghost Nation in small like glimpses. And we get a preconceived notion of them because of what we think they're supposed to be there for is like savages who just, you know, wreck stuff, right? And it couldn't be further from the truth. So this whole episode is really the story behind Akichita and Ghost Nation. And honestly, you know, I know you guys love when we play our great debates and our Malice and Chalice cards. I've got one amazing coming up here. I'll keep you guys uh, guessing on it. So let's jump right in here. I... You know, the first thing I've kind of got down for Season 2, Episode 8 is, uh, you know, the Man of Black, he's severely injured, right? Dude, <laughs> like, he gets he, like, up, You think dude. he's, like, like dead. <laughs> like, he crawls to that creek. I think this is... I think this is... I think it shocked him, even from a character perspective, because think about it. Up until this point, he's almost been... You don't want to say invulnerable, but you know when, like, say your dad... Or, you know, an older mentor says to you, like, yeah, you're young. I remember when I was 10 feet tall and bulletproof. Yeah. Well, now this this motherfucker is learning. He is not 10 foot tall and bulletproof. He's absolutely not. And not anymore. The stakes are real. <laughs> absolutely not. And even as we saw, like, last episode, remember, he was like, you think... Uh, I don't. I don't want to die here. And then he was like, "I don't give a fuck where you die." Like it just. Well, yeah, yeah. He's, he's like, like you, he, you know, think of, you don't want me to die here, Ford. And she's like, "I don't know about Ford, but I don't, as long as I get to watch you, I don't give a fuck where you die." That was it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, like, he's he, crawling to that creek, and he passes out before he gets to it. And that is where we really first see our guy Keechid. Obviously, he's the same man who uh, helped pitch. Logan, the idea of Westworld with Angela way back in the day. But since that time, you know, we don't really get an idea of who this person is inside the park and what Ghost Nation is. So Kichida, he actually finds the man in black unconscious and kicks him to wake him up, making sure he's not dead. And he kind of comes to, and in his own native language, it's called Lakota. 
uh, he says, alive, good. And then the man in black tells him, you know, I, I never learned it, whatever language Ford saw fit to give you. And Nikichi responds back to him, I remember you, and takes him on the horse, like brings him back to his village. So, you know, this is this is a big issue because we have never seen uh, the man in black and Akichida or Ghost Nation really in the same area. So it's like, how where does he remember him from? You know, right? And uh, for just our audience members, because this show is, I mean, it's not like the hardest thing we've ever done or anything, of course. But at least for the average average audience member, I would say. Um, it's it's very hard to recall different things in different timelines. Akichida, just so everyone kind of brings a, a memory remnant trigger for you, um, he was next to Angela, just like Josh was saying, during that Logan pitch, which, keep in mind, wasn't present day. That was, like, way back in the day. That wasn't the timeline we're on now. So just so that's clear... Um, and he really didn't say anything then, uh, back in the episode. We yeah, he just about. said, you have a good eye. Yeah, that's it. When he like, picked yeah. out the host, he's like, yeah, you've got a good eye. And then he's like, but do you really, though? Because they're all hosts, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's but, right. <laughs> yeah, then they, they arrive at the Ghost Nation camp. And that's when the Men in Black tells me, he's like, if you were just going to let me die now, you could have kept riding. And Akichita responds back to him, death is a passage from this brutal world. You don't deserve the exit. It's a badass statement. So it's like we already have an idea that this, this guy from Ghost Nation knows a little bit about the Man in Black and what he's done and how bad of a guy he is. So I think that's really interesting to get uh, just a perspective of what another host that we haven't seen yet really in action, what they think of this guy. So obviously the Man in Black's been, you know, he's been long discovered as William. He's been going to this park for the past 30 years since he convinced James Dallas to invest in it. So all the damage and all the shit that he does, and we learn more about that later on in the next couple episodes. Like he's been being, he's been watched <laughs> the entire time, which right. is kind of funny because yeah. you know, no spoilers, but everybody has. <laughs> so, uh, I did really love the perspective on this episode too, because <clears throat> you would almost think of Ghost Nation as just this kind of subplot characters that were developed as filler. But then it gives you a whole nother perspective with them being there, which is, yeah. is really cool about that's this a really episode. good point. You know, and it's it's funny because it's like none of none of what Ford put into this park really ever is a subplot. There's always a reason for everything, man. It's it's amazing. Like right. the writing in the show is great. And so the next thing I've got is you know Akichido approaching Maeve's daughter, and we actually get a mm-hmm. flashback to Maeve and her daughter happy at the table, and Maeve's daughter. Uh, like she shows like the the rock with the maze on it like drawn in blood right and says that ghost gave it to her and she said these words he said it's a warning he said he'll be watching us now if you're the mom that sounds threatening like oh shit like this guy just is like yeah i'll be watching you like you know and then we find out later how easy it is to misinterpret intentions that's actually one of the exact quotes that he ends up saying later on but if you're just going by where it is right now, you would think that he's the menace and the bad guy like going after Maeve and her daughter. And that's why Maeve in the previous episode, she was like screaming no when she ran into the arms of like the Ghost Nation guy and he grabbed her, remember? And she's like, No, no, and then right. you know, she got yeah. torn up by a bunch of bullets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget Maeve is in rough Well, we're shape. about to get to it right now with your guy, Mr. Lee. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, big dirty. Big dirty Lee. Yo. Dirty. And, like, it's weird because, like, it's the point that you brought to me a couple story. episodes ago about, like, Lee's and Maeve's relationship developing into, like, you know, more than just, like, like they're, they're, like, really close friends, right? So they're not, they're no longer, like, mm-hmm. just, like, he thinks she's just code. He actually has some sort of, like, attachment to her. Like, I don't, like I said, we don't, we both don't believe it's, like, a romantic type of deal. But at least, you know, it's not just, okay, you're, you're a piece of drunk robot. He clearly cares because he's super distressed. And she, he brings Maven to be fixed. Like, and, like, he's, he even tells her, like, just, like, tries to comfort her, just hold on. Like, just hold on. Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't yeah. say it to somebody you didn't care about. And uh, what brings up a good, big point here is don't forget, besides Ford, Lee was originally in charge of all these narratives, so he doesn't play a small role in this realm, right? Like, he's a, he's a big part of this entire environment. And the whole time, he's even been remembering to tell himself, just like he was telling Hector and Maeve, like, this isn't part of the story. Like, your code. Like, what you're saying? You're not fucking real, <laughs> basically. And it goes to show, even if you're a worker there and you spend so much time with these things just like how we even get emotionally attached as just audience members right like it would hate to say this word but it would f up your mind it would fuck up your mind because you're like what's real what's not i don't even know what's going on here because he and he's almost it's weird it's i want to say like i don't think he has a crush on mave but it's like yeah he it's like he realizes the word the like world's better off with her in it. Like, you know, like it's not it's not something he is like apathetic towards. He definitely has like a he cares. That's the thing, you know. It's right. not like he doesn't give a shit if she lives or dies. Like he actually cares now, which is completely different from who he was in the beginning. Like, you know, the character progression for Lee is like a full three, uh like, you know, 180. It's completely different. You right. know, he, in the beginning like, he was like is. a complete asshole like you know, wrote this narratives. He like pissed on the map from above the thing. Like he didn't give a shit about anything. Give away fucking. And even even in the beginning of season two, remember he was giving them shit about like this is all code. It's all code. Like no, this is wrong. Like like it took mm-hmm. him a while to get where he is, but he had a good character progression in a short amount of time, which is pretty great. And it's it's funny because exactly. like, you know this show covers you know in two seasons what it would take five or six for another show to cover. Seriously, you know exactly. what I mean? Like it's pretty crazy. And, oh yeah. And remember the other so when we're kind of getting into it at this point the other i call i guess lab agent roland his name's roland yeah. <laughs> roland 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 boom yeah he tells him like he's basically saying stop like she's more important you need to keep her around so he feels this emotional connection to her and he even says she can control other hosts with her fucking mind so like he's really going out on a limb for her, right? Like, like he's putting himself on the line for her to show how much he cares about Maven. And like point. he even he starts it from the beginning. He's like, he's like, you'll want to check her code. She's the madam from the Mariposa, and that's when Roland's like, yeah, well, good for her. Like Roland doesn't care until he realizes mm-hmm. like the like how important this is. Imagine if they never found out what Lee tells him. Things could have ended way different at the very end of season two that we'll talk about later. If you know if, if right. he never found this out. So Lee, it's almost like a double-edged sword. Lee's trying to save Maeve's life, but like he kind of gave them like the tool to fuck everything else up, right? So you know, and, yeah. And, and you bring this up a lot. Sorry not to interrupt you. Is think about it. 
we might look at this from a show perspective, but in reality, he's putting his life's work on the line. Like, if you do that in a government position with clearance, and you start revealing fucking information that no one should know, and you're doing it because you're going out on a limb for fucking product, in the words of Charlotte... The merchandise? One, you're going to be questioned whether you're mentally okay because that's like for like a fucking piece of metal airplane right you're putting your shit on the line and then you're yeah sorry i keep interrupting you but you're threatening to give away information they're like what the fuck is wrong with you we should be getting rid of you right now like this should be no negotiations you should be walking out the door is what should be happening and to continue on with that you know, after Roland says, yeah, good for her, Lee responds, no, no, she, I was just out there with her in the park. And Roland said, and you chose to bring her up here? Are you aware that they all just try to incinerate us? And that's when, like, Lee gets fucking frustrated, and, and he's like, she can control the other host with her fucking mind. Like, you're not getting it. Like, there's a reason why I'm bringing her here. This one's important. And like I said, it kind of comes back around to bite them all in the ass. Uh, so, he says, just check her data stream. You can't let her die. And that's when Roland says, well, clear this out, give me a scalpel, and lock this place down. So now we, they're starting to, to work on Maeve, and we're about to find you know, later on why this is so important and what they use from Maeve to kind of cause issues throughout the rest of the park. Right. And then we get back to Akicheta speaking to Maeve's daughter. He asks her, like, are you afraid of me? And she looks to the man in black. Doesn't say anything to Akicheta. She looks over to the man in black. And Akichita says, he can't hurt you. Then he starts speaking his native tongue in Lakota again, and he tells her, you can remember all the things you've seen, can't you? All the lives we've lived. So can I. And now we get to a flashback of Akichita's life. Now this is where it's super important. And this is where I was telling you guys, almost had to transcribe every single quote that he said, because he as a character is super important. He's just as important as Maeve, just as important as Dolores, just as important as anybody else that you're going to find. And that's going to be kind of my preface later on when we get into a little uh, debate on it. So, so but yeah, man, we see, we see his first narrative. And he's like, you know, as just a native of the Lakota tribe, he has a woman that he loves named Kohana. And that's his cornerstone. No matter where it is, like, he always goes back to her. And, and that's the, the crazy part about this, too, that we find out in just a little bit dude can you imagine like we were talking about the different timelines right when westworld first opens up you know if you you guys ever hear like alpha or beta or charlie that usually goes in order of like you know you know alpha shift is like the the first shift right and then b's mid shift c's like third shift you can use it in any sort of way you want so you know alpha is being like one of the very first and we're going to show you why that's super important here but imagine you're trying to play a PlayStation One game and a PlayStation Five. Like that's like that's <laughs> like this is what it's about. To, we're about to find out a little bit about that here. But anyways, to go back to it, this is an important. That was a great analogy, right? Thank you. Way. That was an <laughs> epic analogy. Speaking of PlayStation Fives, fucking coming out. That's why I used it. Yeah, it's coming out. Like, right? Is is it coming out yeah, in 2020? Like fucking 80s. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Have you seen the picture mm-hmm. for it, by the way? Looks like it looks like a Wi-Fi router. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say, dude. Looks like the '90s router with fucking dial. Yeah. Like, speaking of timelines, yeah, we're going back on our own timeline, right? <laughs> Most definitely. And then, always, yeah. What here I think was really important with Kohana is 
this quote comes back around and not the same person says it at the at, you know when it matters later on you know Kawana tells Akicha to take my heart when you go and Akicha responds take mine in its place right and so basically what I wrote down here is everything's all butterflies and rainbows until Akichita sees Dolores kill Arnold and everyone dead in Escalante. And then he walks into the saloon and what's he find? He finds that maze for the first time. And that's when it starts going downhill for Akichita. He had a great, lovely, cushy life, woman that he loved. They woke up next to each other in the morning. It seemed like, you know, the ideal life. Then when he walked into the town of Escalante, where Dolores, who had like the Wyatt programming into her, killed everybody there with right. Teddy, and then she killed Arnold and killed herself. Akicha actually saw that happen. So I think people need to yeah. realize that this, like, how right. long ago and how like prominent of a character he really has been. And so that's when he walks into that saloon, he finds the maze for the first time, and that's when his life starts going downhill because like the maze kind of consumes him. You know, that's all he ends up doing for the next little bit. And, you know, that's actually the next thing I have written down is that he starts making the maze symbol on everything. And even his name's Etu. Etu is, like, like the younger man in the Lakota tribe. He tells Kohana, your man is losing his mind. But the crazy part is, it's ironic because he was actually doing the opposite. He was actually finding his mind. That's what the whole maze is for. Yeah. So exactly. how amazing is that, like, you know, just that little wink at he's losing his mind, but in reality, he's finding his mind. That's not nuts. It's very interesting because he's almost like a combination of Maeve, Dolores, and the man in black. Because I would say he was really the first one to try to discover this game and try to break out of this mess. Dang it. You gotta make me play it. Ah! Oh, I God. just played Here the great go. debate I card. I wanted, I wanted to hold it a little bit, okay. but you kind of touched on my thing here. And basically, my debate is, I believe that Akichida was the very first self-conscious host. I'm talking about before Angela, before DeLois, before Maeve. He was the one that had full consciousness first. And why it's important, too, is because... He had no one helping him out along the way with it. Arnold was sitting there trying to get Dolores to find her own voice, consciousness, in her entire way. And she didn't find it until, like, way later. Like, she didn't find it until she had to kill Ford. So, she, you know, you focus on her as, like, the timeline. She had no idea. Like, like she was just a regular old host for the in this past 30 years and only very recently did she find her consciousness Maeve didn't start doing it till around the same time Dolores did when she was having flashbacks to her daughter back when Man in Black killed them you know Angela we don't really know much about Angela outside of the fact that like she helped uh, Akicha originally sell the idea of Westworld to Logan way back when other than that, she just was kind of like a helper host, like, hey, here, welcome to the park, you know, and then I'll be, obviously she plays a bigger role in what she does up here, too, but I don't, I don't even know if she's even fully self-conscious. I think she's just an important host, right? So my debate here, at least my, my point, and I want to see if you argue it, I think that Akichida was the very first self-conscious host, and more importantly, he figured out how to do it on his own with no help. I would have to see I am drawn to agree with you I would say I gotta take a drink to even discuss this shit <laughs> mm. 
Dilly Dilly. Uh, let's see. Malice in the Chalice, baby. Good stuff. Um, got some of that margarita uh, pre-made. Trying that <laughs> out today. Get my mind right for this kind of debate. So here's my issue, right? Let's go ahead and dive right into it. <clears throat> here's the problem I have. Sorry, this thing is taking my voice away. Here's the issue I have with it. We don't really know <clears throat> what timeline Akichida is. Because Robert Ford has stated, which we've talked about on the show. We do know, though, because we remember he was... Well, we haven't come to it yet in our notes, but what build he was. He was Alpha 2, which is like the second... The, the, the second builds of anyone that Alpha ever... Two, right? Yeah, that ever went in the park. I, I, that, I understand that. I'm talking about something that we'll talk about a little bit later, which is really like a true Romeo and Juliet story. So the time I would say he's actually discovering consciousness, I would say, like what timeline <clears throat> that really is. Because your question was, you think he was the first really conscious host. Yep. The take I'm saying on this is we don't really know which we'll wind up talking about later on. It always winds up tying in something that we haven't, <laughs> we can't give away because of spoilers. As far as Dolores, because Dolores, we really don't know when she started to gain consciousness. And you know this is true. Well, based on what happens later. You kind of right? have an idea because she still wasn't conscious like in the regular present day when we start season one. When we started, and it's in present day, not talking about 30 years ago when it was William and E. Logan, there was also present day, where she still wasn't conscious. She was still like okay. following her own like directives that they had given her, right? Now, But then at the, the what point, timeline... When I, I think sorry, that, I yeah, you. the Kichita, where he found his consciousness, or like he started to, it was right after Dolores killed Arnold and herself way long time ago. Because like that's when he walked in right. and found the maze. I, that is true. Like he walked in right yes. as they all died, and he found the maze, and that's when the whole process started for him. And that happened mm. years ago from the present timeline that we start season one at when we first meet Dolores. So I think that he was the. First. That is very true. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I would have to agree with that because of William, mm -hmm. because we're looking at William's age and Jim Delos. Yep. Um, however. I would say so. Now, this is this is very. This is a difficult one for me because you know I always want to support my girl Angela, but we really don't know if she's conscious because Correct. just because she was there with Logan. She could have just been playing the narrative that Ford set up for and her. And on top of that, so I, she's just kind of like yeah. an order follower. Like, she did everything Dolores told her to do. Like, there's never really any big evidence that Angela thought for herself, ever. Well. Yes, I have to agree with that, too. Because if it wasn't for Dolores, honestly... Angela would still be trapped in that loop because it's almost like she enjoyed what she was doing. Like she just kept being put in the top role. It's almost like Dan Blazarian with all these hot chicks that he pays from his money that he gets paid to get paid for. Now, I guess a 
apparently, or like his poker money in the past, right? Like they enjoy that spot. But you wonder if she was still consciousness at that point. However, I will say, I do 100% agree with you on this. I can't even debate with it because Akichida took it upon himself to go find what we'll talk about later yeah. because of emotion. And also understanding. My issue is, though, he really didn't do anything about it, though. Like, that's another debate. Like, really, did he... I understand he gave a shit because of who he's talking about, but when it comes down to Dolores is the only one that really... That's like someone that has book smarts and they don't have fucking common sense because they don't know what to do well, with it. Like, they just feel like they're trapped in a rat race. They, or someone that works in, like, a car rental agency that's worked 100 hours a week and is exhausted and hates their job. Or someone that just hates their job, right? And wants to get out, but they never have any consciousness to realize they should apply for another job. Because he stayed there for years. Well, here's the problem with that. Again, to my earlier point... Dolores had Arnold working with her tirelessly over and over again. And Keech had no one kind of helping him out anywhere along the line. Like, even, like, Ford, like, had basically forgotten about him until, you know, that part where they comes up here at the end of this episode. Uh, you know, like, literally, Arnold tried, took Dolores home. Literally, like, like in his luggage. Took her home outside of Westworld with him in his own home. Like, he was working with her tirelessly mm-hmm. to get her to, like, almost be identical to a human. And Keech was made thrown in there given a narrative and said have a good one like you know know i'm playing a trap (laughs) card this power level's over nine thousand over here baby it's going up man we're turning it up over here uh vegeta and goku style i'm taking this shit super saiyan god let's go here's the issue so I'm going to say we're going to wrap up your great debate card because I say I 100% agree with you. He was the first one for consciousness. My great debate is what do you think he was okay with the consciousness or was he just waiting for the opportune time for a conversation because he knew about a conversation that we find out later in the show for a quote that comes from Robert Ford for the Death Keeper. So was he waiting for an opportune time to actually do something about his circumstance that he knew about when he was gaining consciousness? Or do you think he was just fucking okay with it? Or do you think he was really just like, okay, I understand the consciousness of the situation, but I'm not intellectual or intelligent enough to comprehend because keep in mind he is product he is not an actual i mean i guess it depends what you call real and not real now right but he is product do you think he could actually develop the consciousness to do something with it like dolores did so who would you rank higher and who has the better consciousness dolores or akichita well, here's the the issue I have with it is because like Akicha did try to do something. He found the, you know that the thing. Late, I don't want to bring it up because I want to spoil it. He found that place on his own first. He he came across it. He was searching for it. Uh, so he he like had an idea because like his whole thing is you know kind of like Dolores. He wanted a way out, 
and he actually came across it at one point in time, and then it was hidden from him after that. And then he did try to do something about it again. He wanted to try to, you know, force you know, Ford into, you know, he didn't realize the level of power that Ford has, and he can, you know, freeze him and all that stuff. But like, he even said, like, I found the one who gave us our first story. Like, he, like, he wanted to. He tried. He just was kind of helpless against, you know, the override units. And again, keep in mind, Dolores has been continuously updated through every single step of the way. She's been having the top of the line, everything, all the updates, all the specifications. They made sure Dolores, because remember, she was the very first host, so she was there way back when when they started the park. But she is getting given every single update, every single step of the way. So she's got top of the line equipment, top of the line processing systems. Akisha is literally a PlayStation 1 game <laughs> and a PlayStation 5 console. And he's still doing this. That's the thing. Like, that's why that I would say true. him. That is very true, too. Because uh, remember they made that statement. He hasn't been updated in fucking 30 years. Yeah, almost <laughs> a decade. Like yeah, it's years. crazy. Now, here's my problem, though. Is that because he really couldn't break through his consciousness? Because the theory is if you're breaking through consciousness you could be able to control your own updates which brings in another situation right so we can make this part of the great debate is Maeve even controlling her own destiny or is she still part of the narrative because she was is she only able to comprehend what she can because she upgraded her own skill set just like Akichida could have, but they never did, and he gained this consciousness, you would say, is all this being controlled by a skill set that's being upgraded that they've always had capacity to have, or is it being given to them? Well, or can they even unlock this? Remember, again, I, it's hard to answer all these debate things without giving away spoilers, too, but, like, there's a there's a conversation between Ford and Maeve, and it's actually pretty important. It kind of answers that question for you. He designed a specific track for her, what he wanted her to follow, and she ended up doing her own thing, which is speaks volumes because you know if you were programmed to do that, like you know at at the end of all of this, like you this is what you were, you were meant for, but then you go against what you're meant for to follow your own desires. I think that I think that kind of answers that a bit. I think that's actually that is a very good point as far as that goes. So, to answer the great debate, and then we'll wrap this up here because this will go off into the shadows. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I, know. I love the it. Shadow the shadows, <laughs> great. Uh, wow, that sounds very dark, <laughs> like an old Evanescence song. Anyways, who would you rank higher? I would rank personally. Dolores higher than Akichida because he tried to do something but could never solve the solution. That's like a guy that sits there with the fucking a Rubik's Cube for 30 years and couldn't figure out where the colors go. See, I disagree with you because of what ends up happening and what they end up finding at the very end of the season. Yeah, he's and he's the only one that's really able to do everything without compromising his moral as a person. Like, Dolores is, was this full-blown, like, just warpath. Like, all she wants to do is cause harm and kill mm -hmm. the humans. And, you know, Maeve, her sole thing is trying to find her daughter, where Kichita, he wants to fill, find, like, like a place for everybody. Like, he's the only one that is able right. to do all yeah. of this. 
like unselfishly like there's no motive behind it other than giving everyone a place to like get away from the torment that the humans put them through so i i'm going to kichi to my guy and i would say dolores i have i think this is the one no well we have a couple couple where we have disagreed Maybe it's because I'm biased because I love Danny so much and I see so much of Danny in her where she just wants to kill everybody. But besides Dirty Ted, <laughs> you know, Lion Ted, Teddy, <laughs> besides him, I would say, you know, Akichida is, I don't want to say he's a puppet, but like, not to give away spoilers but it's like he was just okay with the shit for 30 years like he didn't i guess he kept searching but he could never really figure out the answers it's like what it makes you even wonder what a difference he really would have made if we didn't find out the story about him which i do like because you have that emotional connection to him and everyone has it for a reason but besides some fucking subplot story he's just like sitting there and he's okay with it which you'll find out later it's someone he's very close to would you have just fucking left there i mean i guess like he did he searched for like 30 not only did he search he found it and then he tried to find it again couldn't find it and then, like, they gave him that first... Well, we're going to get to it there, but remember, like, they kind of uh, gave him a new narrative. So, like, he got his full core change, and he had to refight through the whole changing again. <laughs> like, remember, he was just of the Lakota so, tribe. Then he had to get changed, like, for his narrative into Ghost Nation. And so he had to fight, like, what the narratives he was given two different separate times. You know, it's <laughs> it's a lot, especially when you're only facing it, and your, your core model was one of the very first ones ever built. Like, <laughs> So... Would you say the narratives real are uh, not narratives, but the code, mm-hmm. right? Say you even upgrade the code. Does it really work more for just the narratives? Or do you think it actually is to their benefit? Or they're discovering these skills on their own? Like Maeve, right? How she upgraded her skill set. Is that helping her? actually for how she's i would say it is because of what ford says later but as far as all the other hosts like dolores or any of these things if they're ever upgrading their skill set is it just helping them in the narrative and is it themselves that's actually discovering that consciousness so the consciousness is helping them break free or is it they're just trapped in a narrative this entire time and it's the skill set that they're telling them to upgrade to that's allowing them to perceive consciousness i know that's a big mind screw yeah it was i'm trying to make sense of like the the crux of the question there so if you're asking me like what do i think like is it the abilities that are are given to them through an update or through like their core and it's like injected into them or programmed into them if that's what's giving them like abilities to do things you know like I, they, yeah sorry i'll rephrase that for you so that way it's a little bit more clear and it's more clear for our audience members so the skills that they are being upgraded with like mave where she had felix and sylvester upgrade her skill set is she discovering consciousness and has more abilities to think more clearer 
because of the skill set or is that something she's discovering on her own? She definitely discovered like, on her own because she was able to figure it out before she even upgraded she before she was even able to have them upgrade her to new attributes like she like up her like you know bulk app perception or bulk like up her intelligence like she was able to figure out what was going on before that like you know I remember when she like kissed uh Hector and like they burned together in the tent and she came to alive like okay. like, the, like yeah. she knew like 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 the consciousness I don't think gets developed any quicker based on the upgrades or the attributes that they're given. I think that the 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 consciousness they develop on their own and now the attributes probably help them become more effective at what they really want to do, but I wouldn't say that the the updated programs help them reach their consciousness level. I don't think that's the case. I would agree with that. I would label this card 50-50 <laughs> because I agree with the fact that attributes don't determine your consciousness because just like you said with Maeve, remember Lee was even like, this isn't part of the fucking story no. and like pushed their hands away and she did it anyways. So I would agree with that and she was already discovering it before as opposed to when it was, you know, her intellectual right because remember she had like the bullet right? she remembered having the bullet pierced her this is long before anyone even took her out of the park to give her an update she right. remembered like you know that was the thing that always stuck in her mind like like her like flashbacks of her daughter and her in that meadow park and then you know mm-hmm. she had like kept feeling her side because that's where she had gotten shot and then she had hector pull out the bullet right like so she yeah exactly. it's all those things happened well before she was given any like uh, attribute upgrades now before i throw this to the shadow realm ending a conversation i would say dolores i would rank above akichita because at least dolores is doing some shit with it then again you have to (laughs) throw yourself in a full circle loop screw because you could say dolores is really just operating in ford's narrative the whole time yeah and i wouldn't say akichita didn't do anything with it he ended up you know at the end of the season he brought a lot of like goodness to a lot of uh their of their kind i want to ruin it so well, good guys always <laughs> finish last. It's like the except him, nice except guy him, because he, he ended up this. Does he get the girl? Yes, it, yeah. No, he ends up at the wedding. Well, and he this watches. season, that's what you, he does. Don't make me spoil it. But at the end of the season, he ends up with where he wants to be, with who he wants to be. The nice guy ends up at the wedding. He watches, and even better, he buys him a wedding a key, gift. A key for should, the wedding a key should have ended up with his his person <laughs> the whole time that he was looking for. Fine, I would label this one 50-50 because I do agree with you as far as the consciousness. I still have to go with my girl Dolores because, you know, just like Dirty Ted, (laughs) you know, we saw what she did to him because she didn't give a a shit. Yep, and that's the thing is, like, you got to think about, like, is that that right, what she is doing, trying to get just full revenge on humanity and even changing the person who cares about her the most, like, his (laughs) core drives to be more ruthless and aggressive. Like, it's like, you you know she's powerful and stuff but you know using the power for the wrong reasons like what's by wasn't that from spider-man with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> yes that was that one of the best spider-mans actually people don't give toby mcguire <laughs> fucking credit enough man that first spider-man was great now two and three <laughs> we'll get into that later but the first one is fantastic but i mean was Daenerys targaryen was she uh you know, was it right? Would that's she why we don't like her. Well, I, that's why I never was a big fan. Get, oh, I, I love know that's her. you. She's my favorite. <laughs> that's you. Ranked her number one. Remember? That's you. Going back to previous episodes, rank number one. Okay, off, off to the shadow realm. Cool. I would say agree to disagree. 
However, I do see your power level because that, <laughs> that was, was a good uh, one. That was fun. I would say, man, it, it's very tough for me because I do rank Akichida up there. It's just very tough. Because we don't get enough of them. We only get a small glimpse. Like we get an episode and a half, really. Yeah. Where Dolores, all we—it's like Angela, yeah. really, because you don't even know enough about Angela. I mean, I guess you do know a little bit, but I would agree. I, you know what? Fine. I'll give you seventy-five percent, <laughs> and that's as high as I like it. I'm, I'm with that. No, <laughs> no sure. argument here. That's good. Malice in the chalice. Let's get Cheers, back to brother. Good stuff. Cheers, brother. Good deal. All right. So. You know, Akicha's been drawing this this like maze everywhere, even when they've been on hunts. And this is where, like, you know, in his internal monologue, he's like, I heard a new voice inside. But before I understood it, they took everything from me. And that was the first time I lost her. And Akicha continues, They destroyed the man I was, but then I was reborn. And this time I came out breathing fire. And this is the part where what they did is they brought him in and he goes like that's where we find out he was an alpha two like like you know like they they needed to give him right. no, no I'm sorry that's not when they found out he was an alpha two my apologies that's later this is the part where they needed to upgrade some of the Lakota tribe to become Ghost Nation so what Ford wanted to do is he wanted to give them like certain members of the Lakota tribe uh, a new narrative for Ghost Nation he said something a little more like you know savage or something like that and this is this is a good point too honestly because what he says like does so they want me to overwrite all of the complete heuristics of what is in him and like start from scratch and then the per- other person's like no just go ahead and add this to it basically so that helped that makes me think if they had if they had just wiped him and put him in like he might have had to start way from the beginning because like that stuff inside him wouldn't have been there anymore for him to uncover later on because if they had just wiped it clean and they just only they, they, they basically erased you then put you just full ghost nation you probably don't have this issue. He probably doesn't find his conscience. He's probably just, you know, what they want him to be in Ghost Nation, which is a savage killer, right? That's what the whole narrative was set up to be, is that was what they wanted them to be. But, right. you know, because they basically over just lapped it and said, okay, we're going to add Ghost Nation to you instead of erasing your memories and your core drives and everything and replugging you and just doing a full sweep and swap, we're just going to just throw it on. Like, instead of, that'd be like, for example, Instead of me, like, uh, how, how would I put it? Like, if I'm washing my clothes, right? Instead of, like, putting my clothes away and, like, just calling it done, I just keep throwing them back on the chair and, like, reusing them over and over again. You know what I mean? So it's not, it's, it's like, it's <laughs> yeah, not, I'm not ever emptying it fully <laughs> and then, like, rebuilding up new laundry. It's just the same laundry over and over again with just new stuff added on top of it. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, I've been tempted to do that a couple times. <laughs> take a few things out of the hamper. Yeah. <laughs> just see, just throw like, new stuff like on top of it. all the way to the closet. Right, instead of just getting it done <laughs> yeah. and over with and taking the longer route and washing and drying your clothes and hanging them up, you're just continuously throwing stuff on top of it and just be like, all right, it's good enough. It's good enough. And that's what they did. That's the real definition of victory. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> that's what that is. <laughs> good yeah, stuff. and then so from there, Akisha just says, you know, from the beginning, I felt the presence of others those lives I was forbidden from taking, the newcomers. And then we get him stumbling upon your boy, Mr. Logan, and I'll let you take that part if you got it there. Oh, yeah, definitely. So... Because I know you're a big Logan guy. You, 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 Logan and Lee are, are, your, are your main squeezes here at, <laughs> at Westworld. Uh, this is definitely... Yeah, no, I'm definitely a, a big Logan guy. 
Um, so kind of where I was at here, uh, you know, this is when he comes across Logan at the edge of the map. So remember when we were at, at the end of season one. So this is where I want to bring everyone yes. back. Remember, <laughs> people say I'm sadistic and weird. That's what Josh says. He's like, <laughs> do you like orgies or some shit? No, I was describing the scene. <laughs> Remember, he was tied up. He was on the horse. Logan is basically half dead at this point. Like, he, he doesn't even know what's going on. Imagine you're delirious. You've just been out there for days. And Ikichida comes across him from where William left him there at the edge of the map. And Logan says, this is, this is the wrong world. Like, he doesn't even realize like really what is going on at the moment and, well he, he um, at least realized that's what he at least realizes like he's not in the right spot like you know he's he's like in westworld he's like this is the wrong world like he wants to get taken back to like the human world like you know because like all all right. william did was you know strip him down naked tie him to the horse and make the horse run around the outside and like as we talked about before you know the further away from Sweetwater you are in westworld the more intense the experience becomes so now this guy's naked on the edge of the map sun beating down on him and finally his horse had died and that's another point that's really important there like the horse is like keeled over and died and he was like kind of sitting up against the tree still naked right and so like the sun had yeah. drove him mad right and so and i love what you said by the way not to interrupt you i just want to really bring up that point where you said how intense the experience is because logan is thinking and keep in mind you know logan's the son of jim he's the son of james delos so he realizes this is supposed to be a game he's thinking why the fuck is this ghost agent coming up to me if he's not trying to kill me right now because this isn't part of the game like this the this is you know you discovered a side quest in skyrim that was never supposed to be there so to your point that's yeah like talk about intense that's really as intense as it can ever get in a game and i like what you said too about you know when you took it back to the original part where like william left logan because what i wrote down like this is the first time that we see logan in the linear timeline of when william first tied him to the horse and set it loose we've seen logan kind of since then when he you know remember he was at that party like all strung out on drugs you know we, we've seen him so we knew he, he survived it but this is the first time that we've actually seen him in westworld following that timeline you know when that happened again that's another good point talking about akichida he was still ghost nation when logan was still in the damn park <laughs> like exactly. so you know in rem- yeah yeah no that was, that's a very good point and uh think of this scene too it, the scene reminded me of something like Prince of Persia or something. Yeah, yeah, it did. He's like got the sand everywhere. The horse is dead on the ground and he's like approaching. Hidalgo. You ever seen Hidalgo with uh, our boy Aragorn? Vigo I haven't seen Hidalgo now. Oh, remi- uh, that was a 2005, man. I still remember from when I was like eight. He does his like race across Egypt. <laughs> but it's like imagine if you were just sitting out there you'd be waiting to die and even worse in your head you'd be like am i like about to die in this video game or am i just gonna wake up in the real world and they're gonna be like go try again game over go restart and respawn like what is about to happen here but um so you know akichita comes up to him and he says in uh what's lakota right yeah lakota look lakota gotcha um he says uh his words open something in me is what he was uh saying and he talks to 
Maeve's daughter when it kind of comes back into reality. Well, first, roll back way back to Logan there because this is yeah. important too. Okay, Akechid actually gives Logan a blanket, which could be a reason why Logan survived. You know, yeah, like he, he stops him from that. like the sun mm-hmm. poisoning there, and he says, "Your kind will come for you." So now Akechid knows right. about the, like the the guests, and he they, you know he, they're gonna find Logan. So basically, he kind of gives Logan some reassurance. But that's when you know the point where you say, "So like, this is where Akechid tells him," or kind of goes back into that monologue of. I knew that he had gone mad from the sun. So why I want to bring that up there, I think that's super important. Logan going mad for the sun has a really big, I would say, that could have been what led to him being strung out in drugs in the real world. When he finally got out, maybe his mind was so fried and messed up from his time in Westworld that he felt like he needed the drugs and that's why he got strung out on them. So like, would Logan, if he had not been, you know, but if William did not do what he did to Logan, strip him down, throw him out to the bounds of for how many knows how long that Logan was out there in Westworld. And that didn't happen to him. Would Logan ever be strung out on drugs? I don't think he would. I think he'd still be a good businessman and who he was. Yeah, and uh, that actually brings up a good point. I think we talked about this two episodes ago when Logan was at that party and Dolores was there and they were celebrating Jim. Yeah, that's uh, the one. It wasn't... Yeah. Was it Jim's retirement is what was going on? But he was out at the pool... I remember he's like they're all drinking to their like fucking demise, pretty much yeah they they, they lit the match yeah yep yeah lit the match that's right um and and that brings up a very good point because it makes you wonder right if Logan because of this whole Achichita 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 right because of this Achichita incident honestly this could be what fucked Logan up. Because until this point, like, I get it. William dropped him off and he was delirious and shit. Logan might have thought, okay, well, William's just an asshole. Like, he left me there. It's just a video game. I'm fine. Now, Logan could be thinking, I know this wasn't part of the game. So, are we actually playing God? Like, what do I do about this? Like, imagine how screwed up that would make your mind on top of your father is like a huge part of this investment in the company and your fucking best friend at the time is screwing you over behind your yeah, back he's take, like that would he's basically taking his uh his spot like as a as the next like running running of the company like william ended up running the company after james where it probably initially was meant for logan to take the place when james retired right but I would I would still yeah. argue that the fact like Logan was clearly insane and because remember like he was like talking like he couldn't even formulate words when Akicha showed he's like you fucking fucker fuck fine and then, like you know so I think he was already <laughs> mad I think yeah. I think the sun poisoning and him just being out with no shelter anything like that I think that's what caused him to go a little bit insane and then like res- resort to the drugs in the real world the drugs and the drinking which ended up mm-hmm. you know as we find out ends up killing him so right. I think so. I, w- I would agree with that a hundred percent. But oh, yeah, I'll let you uh, go ahead and take over from here. Yeah, from there, you know, I got, uh, you know, Akichita, he says, uh, I returned to my men and my daily tasks. I never realized I had been here before. Because remember, now that they had plugged in the Ghost Nation narrative, he was no longer part of that Lakota tribe where, you know, Kawana was there and they were all nice and, and cushy and like right. butterflies and yeah. rainbows. Like he was now that savage guy, leader of Ghost Nation, ruthless killer that they had programmed him to be. But then, you know, because they didn't do a full clean swipe and re you know download they just just threw it back just threw it on top of them he kind of he remembers like deep inside of him like i had been here before so i thought that was super important right 
And so I, right. it was kind of cool because I said the like, Kichin and Ghost Nation, they give a board to the Lakota tribe in exchange for corn. Like it was like a nice, like it was really cool, like very um, authentic experience, like, you know, between tribes giving each other like, you know, goods for goods. Like, you know, that's how it was back then. Like if you had something and, you know, they you, like that tribe needed it and you did it, they, they would give you something you need in return. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's and then how I, the English fucked over the Native Americans. Yeah, they were like, "Hey, <laughs> the pilgrims, you suck. want like twenty deer pelts that we just fucking <laughs> killed for all your shit?" They were like, "Sure." Because <laughs> I'm killing them instead. Like, yeah. you want some diseases that we brought over for you? Yeah, all right. <laughs> so These are yeah, really popular in the mainland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. STDs. And then that's when Akichita, you, you know, he kind of gets back into it and he goes, but then I saw her, those eyes, I remembered them, but to her, I was only a stranger. And that's when Etu, he looks at Akichita and grabs him and says, don't look at her. And Akichita looks him dead in the eyes and says, back up or I'll skin you alive. I look where I please. <laughs> And that's yeah. That's when the uh, like the mother of the tribe there. Her name is Wachapi. He she yeah. tells you know Etu stop. And then when he, and she looks to Akishida, go join the other strays. So like when she says go join the other strays, this is what I want to think about. Like if you've ever been like banished from anything, like you're kind of like a stray, right? So like if you're exiled from a community. You know, you're, you kind of, you know, go out with other exiles. Like, you'll hang out in that same kind of crowd. Like, for example, if there's a, a, a pride of lions and there's the alpha, like, like, there's the male lion and then, like, all the other female lions around him. If he gets challenged and, like, like the other lion beats him or whatever, he, like, walks off in exile. He's not a part of that tribe anymore. Same sort of deal here. Ghost Nation, nothing really happened they, they, except they existed. And they, like, basically shun him because, like, they look different. They act different. They're, like, the savage version of them. And they don't want that kind of negativity to spread inside you know their tribe so i thought that was kind of cool yeah but uh yeah then we go a little bit further there and akishida said with each passing day my sense grew stronger i lived another life before this one the past was calling me and i couldn't rest until i knew how to reach it so this is the you know, we're starting to see like he's finding this all out on his own without any sort of help from anybody being like a base model like it's just, this is crazy stuff you know and this is what I wrote down next is Akichi like, was about to kill the man when he was bombarded with flashbacks of his former life and former love and then like he kind of just stops and tells like like his his and his name is Wanaten to end up finishing him off and killing him and that's when he says like you know perhaps this life was not my true life this world was not my true home, but she was. And then that's when, he, what, he, what does he do? He, he says, I sought the newcomer who spoke of a way out. He went back looking for Logan again. And so now we can kind of deduce, because he couldn't find Logan, that Logan finally made his way out of Westworld, after how many years it could have been. Right. You know, I would say exactly. at least two to three yeah. years, right? He probably was in there for two to three years. See, that's what I want to know, though. Like, how he made it out. Like, that's what I would love to learn. Yeah. Like, how... Uh, keep in mind, Logan has hallucinated. Like, he still couldn't even really compre comprehend what was going on. Besides the fact, you know, this fucking ga fucker gave him a blanket. Like, and he only left him a blanket. Well, think about this, Jim. <laughs> yeah. I just started thinking about this, and it kind of makes sense in my head now. 
like they didn't have when they started this they didn't have all the technology they did now like right now like in Westworld in present day they have those tablets that show people where they're they can kind of see what if things that's happening in Westworld like almost with security camera footage type of deal so like if this would have happened this exactly. time they could have seen him and got him out of there but like at this point it's just word of mouth so if, like you know for example if James is like hey where's Logan and William's like oh he's just having fun in Westworld even though I you know like that's all he had to say and like <laughs> okay good to go whatever because yeah, exactly. like Logan had that kind of personality to where he would just go off and do his own thing for like a long period of time and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be like abnormal so I'm sure that's what ended up happening like they're like oh what's going on with Logan and William's like oh he's having fun in Westworld dying <laughs> right <laughs> no, but I kind of think that's right. what happened now here's Here's a good question for you, though. Do you think what messed up Logan was he was really trying to go back for a Kichita the whole time? Like, do you think he actually cared about him? Because maybe in his mind was sitting of, wow, this is the guy that saved me this whole time. Like, I could have just been stuck in this fucking fake world for who knows how Logan long. doesn't strike maybe me as the guy who cares about anything. I don't think I don't think Logan. <laughs> I need you to look. Yeah, I don't think Logan gave a shit about any of the whole. I think Logan just wanted to get the fuck out of Westworld. That's what I really think. Okay, like, I can agree. I don't with think that. he gave yeah. a shit about any of the hosts, anything. He just wanted to get the hell out of there. <laughs> he was sitting there burnt naked. <laughs> like, jeez. Not exactly the most down to earth. No, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. You know, and so you know, back to you know, Geech is saying I sought the newcomer who spoke of a way out, but he was gone. So I rode farther than I ever had before until I found it. A passage to another world. A door. So this is the crazy part here. Is like, to your point, if he wanted to, he could have left right then and there. He could have been gone, but he wanted, you know, he couldn't leave without his true love. So that's kind of what screws him over. Because if he was just all about himself, he could have done it then and there. Although they probably would have fucked his right. day up with a bunch of bullets waiting for him on the inside. You know, he, he would still have to get through <laughs> there and figure out how to exit, you know, all that stuff too. But, you know, it's still something, you know, he could have done on his own if he had not gone back and then the door wouldn't be hidden from him for so long after after that point in time but uh i mean i think that's where you get sorry to interrupt yeah. you you know that's my thing i interrupt people <laughs> on the it's a debate guy. show man you um, gotta do it yeah <laughs> no that's my bad um basically what i was thinking though is i mean that's kind of where we have this romeo and juliet thing like how far would you go because you love this person it's almost like someone you know, say you get into the college you've been trying to go for your entire life, or you get the job you've wanted your entire life, but the person you really care about is in, like, your hometown, right? So how many times do we see that with, like, people in high school? You know, we go back to, you know, we both come from small towns, right? Or I guess both of ours aren't exactly, like, super small anymore. But it, it just goes to show, think of all the people, you know, in high school you see dated the same girl have five kids and their life ended after 10 years well this is kind of like his same thing like he couldn't really break out of that because even though like he saw what was there in another role he couldn't accept it so it's almost like the man in black really they're both in kind of the same I would argue probably Akichida, just like you said, is probably the smartest host there. I wouldn't say smartest host. I think it's the most conscious host. But here's my thing: is that like it's like he wanted to love her. He's like the man in black. He wanted to love her though. Like it's not like it was like a choice that was getting pulled back to him. 
he was like, like I didn't want to go anywhere without her. I, that that was it. Like, like think about I, I, that's whatever great love story there is. I don't know. If, I've never. I haven't watched a lot of chick flicks, but whenever you know the guy and the girl end up perfectly together, just how they wanted to after overcoming that big conflict all along, that's what he was searching for here. He wouldn't have been happy in the world without her. Like it, <laughs> he wanted to bring her along. I'm- I mean, that's true, but that's like, wipe your dirty hands. Like, you know, your hands have been dirty for so long. It's time to wash them clean. In the words of Chris Evans from Avengers, it's been seven years. We've got to move on. <laughs> I woke up, you know, 50 years after being under the ice. Woke up 50 years but later. But then did they, then the, then did they actually move on, though? That's the question. Okay, well, you got me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well played. Well played. <laughs> but uh, moving right on. Right, right. So then he returns to his former tribe and, like, kind of kidnaps Goana. <laughs> he, like, puts his hand over him out there as a shush and, like, steals her from the tribe back on the horseback. And, you know, in his own little monologue, he's like, you know, I was determined to escape this world, but I would never leave without her. You know, and he takes her far enough. And it's just kind of funny where she can't run or yell for help. And that's when he decides to cut her bonds and get her to trust him you know and that's when he comes back to those words again that kind of click her back into oh goodness like i know who you are like i remember you from a previous life because kisha says Mm -hmm. koha take my heart when you go and kwana says take mine in its place and that's what they said to each other when we first see them on screen she remembered that like ending part of his thing right like that's the like hello and goodbye that they give each other so Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, she's like, Aki? And Akisha is like, this world, it's wrong. This is not the world we belong in. We need to leave. I think I've found a way out. Let me show you. And so they go searching for that construction site or the door, and they couldn't find it. You know, Akisha even said, you know, the door was hidden from me now, but I knew that together we could find it again. And we get this amazing quote from Koana as well, and she says, I feel I've loved you for so many lifetimes. I remember that. And Nikisha yeah. says, the true world is close at hand here. I can feel it. It's calling to us. And Kwana asks, you know, what's on the other side? And Nikisha says, somewhere our memories will be safe. Is that a place you want to go? Trust me, the door is real. And that's when we cut back to Nikisha with Maeve's daughter. And he tells her, we were almost free, but they discovered us again. And that's when we look at it and, you know, the tech grabs Koana while Akicha is out hunting, right? And then the tech even says, you know, how did she make it out this far? They're not supposed to get anywhere near this sector. And Tech 2 said, well, that's behavior's problem. And you know what? That's kind of why that's funny is because who's the head of behavior? It's Bernard, right? <laughs> so I <laughs> thought that right. was kind of cool. Yeah. But they drive off with her and Akicha can't get there fast enough to save her, right? So... You know, he goes back to their village like to find her because he thinks they're just gonna like kind of pop her back into her old role there, and you know they replaced her with another host, much like they did with Clementine and Peter Abernathy when like they had to decommission those hosts. Right. They basically decommissioned Kawana because she like they, they either like she was not being updated enough or like that build couldn't handle the new updates, mm-hmm. and that's why that's true. I think that this what happens is so important here is when we figure out. You know why the techs were so against just giving uh, Akichida an update and throwing him back in the park. And I know I'm getting a little bit ahead of ourselves there, but like that's not normal protocol. Normal protocol is like they decommission him after a certain amount of time. And so really, Akichida should have been decommissioned, and that's what we're going to learn here in a second, right? Right. So 
And he said he went on a journey to find different towns and like he had to fight for his life some days. And that's when Akicha says to Maeve's daughter, but on my darkest day, you helped me. You gave me the strength to keep going. You saw me for who I really was. And this is where the connection between him and Maeve's daughter started. That's why she says, Ghost says this. Like it's not in a way like he's haunting her or trying to scare her. He's trying to help her, you know, and we get the full final that's exactly what happens kind of later on. Like that we'll get that final uh, what do you call it, the, the exclamation point at the end of that sentence a little bit later on when we kind of really fully realize it. But that's when Akicha says, you know, at long last, my path led me home once more. I came back to see that more of my family was gone, vanished, replaced. I was no longer the only one who noticed. Then that other person that noticed it was with Choppy, right? She was the only other one that was kind of really still right. there. They kept like taking, you know, decommissioning more of them because again, they were an alpha build, which they're on probably, you know, 18, you know, different builds later at this point in time with all the years that are <laughs> passing. So, you know, yeah. with Choppy, like even kind of confronts Akicha, she says, what do you want with us? And Akicha says, I see you have a ghost of your own now. Kind of talking about Etu, which is her son, who's not really her son anymore, right? And then with Choppy says, right. I feel... Yeah. And then she didn't finish her sentence, and Nikita says, like, they changed him. And Wachapi says, they, the ones below? Nikita to ask her, you know, have you seen them? Wachapi says, no, but my people tell the story. Some pray to be visited. Others feel they'll not remember the way home and be left below forever. And I think this is when Nikita gets the idea of what they did with Goana. Because when she says that, like, left below forever, I think that kind of clicks something in him because he has this... Again, he actually says it right here. Suddenly, I knew how to find her. But it meant rejoining my old path, which was Ghost Nation as a brutal savage. <laughs> and so he actually he actually <laughs> lets the guests kill him on purpose. And we've actually seen that before. Maeve has let people kill her on purpose. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. So it was really interesting because then he wakes up. And he said, I had searched everywhere for my love except the other side of death. And that's when the text says, you know, I ran it three times. It's him. And the second tech says, well, there's no fucking way. That's not possible. And the tech one says, well, you've got to call the boss. And the other tech says, well, I already did. <laughs> so that's when, like, the senior tech kind of comes in. And then the first tech goes, you know, ma'am, I think there's been a mistake. And the senior tech just says, just show me the profile. And that's where we learn that Akichita was Alpha 2 build. And he wasn't pairing with their system. So he that's why they decommission. When they don't pair with the system, you know, their builds are too, like, you, like, that saying, nothing lasts forever. Like, if you're playing a Game Boy Color, like, eventually, that's going to run out. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, you're not going to be able to do that anymore. Like, the, the, it's not going to hold the memory. Like, I've got two awesome, like, game. I got, like, I got all the original Pokemon <laughs> games from my Game Boy Color, and I can only play oh, them, yeah, and I can't even save files anymore because it's just, it's it doesn't last forever, man. Like, you can't do it. Like... You know, 1990s. Once they made that Game Boy Advance, the cartridge was. Different. What's the thing is like the cartridge was different, and also like a 1996 game is not going to work <laughs> in a 2020 system. That's why I kind of made the correlation of PlayStation One and the PlayStation Five. Like you can't can't do that, and so that's when we find out that Kichita hasn't been updated in almost a decade, and that the company only updates hosts when they die. And the, the fact that Kichita hasn't died in 10 years is incredible. Because, like, yeah. the only update he had was when he was put like, into Ghost Nation. Like, that, so he hasn't died, and like, he's a beast, man. That's, that's awesome. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. But this is when I was talking about, you know, the senior tech says, put him back. Give him the update and put him back. 
Oh no, yeah, yeah, wherever the fuck he is supposed to be, quietly. And like I said, this is crazy because this is one of the earliest builds going back into Westworld with top of the line brand new builds. Like I said, putting a PlayStation 1 game and a PlayStation 5, and the techs were concerned because they decommissioned the other builds, like Kowan and Etu and all them, like, the proper protocol is when they are no longer able to keep up or sustain or, you know, they're not, they, they needed to get decommissioned them, long and short of it. And it, she kind of wants to see how it goes in her own weird, like, I don't know if she had any vested interest in it or if she just wanted to kind of, like, feel like, like a power surge, you know, because she, she's only, like, mid-level management and so... Maybe that, that was her own little fuck you to her bosses. I'm just going to throw this, you know, <laughs> this damn like, you know, build back in, even though I know I'm not supposed to. I'm not sure, but I ended up working in Nikisha just favor. But. <laughs> I guess that's so. Yeah, I, w- I would say, yeah, that's interesting. I mean, <laughs> interesting way to put that one. And even the tech says nine Man, years out there in that meat grinder. <laughs> in the tech ones you got me thinking about that pokemon game now man gotta love it oh i loved it man shit, i'll put my my top six there against you your top six any day <laughs> dude fucking malice in Cheers, the chalice bro. baby <laughs> oh yeah malice in the chalice fucking okay top six pokemon and the game you kicked ass most on out of all the like fucking like pokemon games Going from back, you know. Let's talk about the originals, like like the one fifty one, the yeah. red version, the yellow version. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was your like top six you had? Where you just like fucking kicked at? What were they called? Remember you like played Aga- Agatha at the end with like the, the Elite six? Four. The Elite yeah. Four. That was it. Yeah, that was badass. <laughs> fucking go. For it. Man, it's it's tough because I I would use different ones for different ones, but like. I would say like a, li- a list of my favorite and like the ones where I used to battle my friends when we had the link up and the ones that I would use a lot. Uh, obviously, Charizard he's my favorite Pokemon. He would be in my um, my party, my first probably the first one in my party. Um, Gengar, Gengar was dope because he could use psychic, Gengar, yeah, psychic yeah, and dude. dark moves at the same time. Super like very very uh, effective and all against a lot. Um, Mewtwo, obviously, he's just honestly probably the strongest Pokemon. Period. Uh, I would use Zapdos for lightning because it would be a f- oh, yeah it'd be shit. effective Zapdos, against uh, yeah. other things because like I already got Charizard for the fire so now I would have Zapdos for you know the lightning there and then my fifth one or uh, yeah my fifth one there it's tough like I really enjoyed using Articuno because it could do like surf and like ice moves at the same time it'd just be effective against a lot of different type of um, yeah. You know, yeah, that was bad. For sure. And then yeah, I would also I, I I knew I knew the cheat code to get Mew. And so but Mew was kind of very, very similar to Mew too, so I would I would rarely use them together in the same in the same pack, right? So didn't you have to hit like A and B at the same time to capture it or something with n- the ultimate? No, ball? like you had like it was interesting. Like you had to you had to go talk to the guy uh, that was next to um, the city above Pallet Town, Viridian City. Like, there was a guy there, and before he finished, he had to shut it, like, shut it off, and then yeah. he had to go to like Cerulean City, and then kind of next to where like the cave where you'd find Mewtwo in, like a certain Pokemon there. I don't remember the top of my head like the exact steps, but like um, 
you no you had to, you had to battle that that person and then be like no so this is what happened i'm sorry i was mixing up doing the thing next to cinnabar island and next and what you do in cerulean city so to get Mew in cerulean city you go up there and there's a person that is looking to fight you right by that little patch of grass next to the cave where they hold Mew to and right when you have that exclamation point pop up you have to show off your game before he approaches you and then when you turn it back on like no person will um, talk or go near you until you fight a wild Pokemon now. So like if you just were going around, like you couldn't get anyone to get that exclamation point. So after you would shut that off and you went up to you, you would go back to that patch of grass, and it would be the first Pokemon that would appear it would be Mew. So. Oh, that's badass. Because yeah. I thought there was like some cheat code at one point where if you hit like down B. It like captures them in the ball where they can't break free or some shit. I think that's. I remember fake. Giovanni was a bitch to beat too. Do you remember Giovanni? Yeah, I, I the, like, like I like Giovanni because he was the head of uh, Team Rocket and like you know he had the most powerful Pokemon. But I I, I was a very type Pokemon. I would fight type against type, and that's why I had like a, a big like variety of, of what I would use. Um, but yeah, that's badass. Dude, that takes me back, man. See, I was a psychic guy. I was, I was weird. No, psychic is good stuff. Alakazam is pretty cool. Like you know, like uh, Mewtwo, Mew, like yeah. big stuff. Who? What was her name? Sabrina had Kadabra in well, the show. Kadabra. Kadabra is like the the pre-evolution of Alakazam. Alakazam was like the big guy. Like yeah, he yeah. was a monster. Alakazam was the shit. I had. Let's see. I was a, see. So my big one that was like my go-to man. So back then when, like, Ruby version and shit came out, I had, like, the alligator thing, but it was a Blastoise. Like, I would fucking destroy Like, Blastoise. Blastoise. I was big. I've always man, been a big Charizard guy. I like dragons, man. <laughs> Charizard. I like... Char- which is funny, because, like, I'm a Danny guy, and you're, like, a dire wolf. You're a Jon Snow, <laughs> so it's funny how that works out. Um, <laughs> definitely, yeah, Blastoise was my shit, man. Um... Gengar, just like you said, I used Gengar all the time. Fucking other than that, let's see who I had. Um, oh, that's right. Fucking Flareon, Flareon was my tits, McGee man. Most people had Jolteon. Um, I actually have Jolteon on an Ultimate Frisbee jersey. That's cool. <laughs> that uh, our old team custom made because like the kid used to play Pokemon all the time and they did it as a joke and he didn't think they actually would. But yeah, Flareon was my shit. Remember the Eevee Brothers episode? Yeah. That was epic, dude. That was awesome. Um, let's see. Uh, so that would be th- oh Hitmochamp. Do you remember Hitmochamp? Yeah, he was he, he was like, a punching. Yeah, he was things. a pu- he was a boxing Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other one was like Monchoke or something. But I oh, Hitmontop. I was never like, there. There was a Machoke, which was like there's G- like, there was um M- M- Machop. Machoke and Machamp. Machamp's like they had like the four arms, like just brolic dude. Like, but if you're talking about like, That's if you're talking right. about like Hitmon Lee, Hitmon uh, Chan, and Hitmon Top, Hitmon yeah. Top was the one that spun on his head. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, I I used the Hitmon Chan that used the like um, the box yeah. gloves, not the Lee with the yes. kicking yep. thing. Yeah. I know someone's out there that's like a diehard Pokemon fan, and they're sitting there thinking like, "Oh, the fucking meta game would kick your ass right now." I was like, "All right, dude, I'm almost thirty. <laughs> Fuck you guys." Yeah, the original one fifty one where it was where it's at, <laughs> but also I, I remember my sixth one. I also used Aerodactyl, so. Aerodactyl, yeah. dude, that was good. That was back. Remember, like you had to get the fossil yep. or mm-hmm. something. 
You had to go get a fossil. And it was cool. Like, I forgot how it was in the so, game. So, because, like, they had, like, the Kabuto or the Ammonite, which is the one you'd find in the Mount Moon. But the one for Aerodactyl, you actually found in the museum that was above Pewter City where you, after you'd fight Brock. And so that was really cool. And Brock, yeah. yeah. That was super dope. Dude, Brock was but uh, also, um, and if I didn't use Aerodactyl, I would use Dragon Knight as my last one. Because Dra- Dragon Knight is a flying yeah. type Pokemon like that can do a lot. It, like Hyper Beam, it can use a, like um, it can use uh, electric moves as well, and so I can use Dragon moves in some fires. So like Dragon Knight was a really cool like all around Pokemon that you could use for almost any occasion uh, in a battle. So those those would mm-hmm. be like my big ones there. Yeah, yeah, that's solid. Uh, yeah, Dragon Knight was. This shit. Remember Moltres? Yeah, Moltres, yeah, the, fi- the fire bird. Slay with Moltres. I just had yeah, too many so fire types was... because, like, you know, I, I had Charizard there. I, I can only use so many fire types in a, in a party. Yeah. Like when I'm, you know, I like to get a good variety. So if someone plays someone, I already have their weakness already ready to go. So that's so true. So true. So I guess I would say, yeah. And I had Raichu. I actually Raichu. upgraded. My, I used that fucking thunder, uh, thunderstone Thunderstone so fucking fast, man. So fuck but Pikachu. I didn't get no agility up in That's here. That's funny. <laughs> no, go straight to the thunderstone. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, Raichu, Gengar, um, Moltres, and uh, Blastoise. I did have Mewtwo at one point. Mewtwo was pretty badass. Um. Yeah, I guess I would put Mewtwo in there, and then my sixth, I would probably say, man, this is a tough one. I feel like there's someone I'm not thinking about because it's been so many damn years. Oh, I'm sure. Um. Fuck. Who was uh James's Pokemon? Didn't he have like Ghastly or some shit? Yeah, he had Ghastly. Uh, Jesse James. Yeah, he had like lick a, um, lick a tongue or some weird one or like I don't know. Side oh, there was me. There was meow. You know, but I'm not sure. Oh, dude, I used to fucking kill with Snorlax. Snorlax, bro. yeah, Snorlax. Snorlax was he was a beast. Shit, His body dude. slam used to do a lot of damage, bro. Dude, I used to kill it with him. Yeah, so that's what I would say. I would say uh, Mewtwo, Gengar, um, Blastoise, Moltres, um, Raichu, and uh, Snorlax. Dude, that like. I feel like we would have gone toe to toe. It would have gone to the end, man. That's good. Yeah. For f- okay. Cool. Just like Mouse I'm just gonna. Chalice. Cheers. I'm just gonna go through mine one last time because we kind of like broke it up. So uh, I usually have oh, yeah. Charizard, Gengar, Mewtwo, Zapdos. Uh, I would either have Aerodactyl as number five, and then Dragonite number six. So, yeah. Dragonite. That was a sick episode too. Remember, like the lighthouse. Yeah, it was Yell cool. in the lighthouse, and what was it like? Uh, uh, Aerodactyl slow, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's all, folks. Oh, that was epic, man. That takes me back for sure. Okay, Malice in the Chalice off to the Shadow Realm. Good shit, man. Let's do it. Bang bang. So yeah, back to the where we're at here bang, is a uh, you know Tech Two is saying you know nine years out in that meat grinder, and the first Tech says it's okay to just leave him here. And Tech said, well, it's a four-hour update, so do you want to babysit him? Well, come back after lunch. And that's, you know, their their fault because that's when Akichita gets up and searches the headquarters of what's actually called the Mesa for Koana. You know, he actually finds her and Etu in cold storage. And he tries to take her with him but realizes that her body 
like she wasn't alive she was decommissioned you know he kind of has like an emotional moment where he cries over it a little bit and that's when Akicha goes back to Maeve's daughter and says now that was the moment I saw beyond myself my pain was selfish because it was never only mine for everybody in this place there was someone who mourned their loss even if they didn't know why and that's why I say Chase that he was more conscious than anyone else because like he thought beyond only like this is the first person that we see that cares about others before himself like Maeve's thing is kind of selfish she just wants her daughter that's it Dolores she wants everyone to fucking die for what they did to them like this guy wants everyone yeah. to be like you know like kumbaya man so, <laughs> but uh then yeah man he's he's like lee geez yeah lee <laughs> yeah. i think, think there's a lot of difference between there but <laughs> so then yeah that's why i say like akisha receives his update and goes back into the park and he arrives at his village and approaches with choppy and he says we cannot get them back but i know how to close that door and how to open another one one that will keep us from their reach forever I found your son and gives her like like the he cut off like the braid and gave it to her and she hits her knees crying and then Nikisha says to Maeve's daughter you know like in the overall monologue you know because this is like we're kind of going back in two timelines we're going into the Kikicha's life but while also he's talking he's basically telling Maeve's daughter the story of his life so we're kind of going back in between those two things there right and so he tells Maeve's daughter we were all bound together the living and the damned and then it kind of cuts over to your boy Lee Sizemore, you know, sitting next to Maeve, who's cut open on the surgery table. And he even says, you know, I don't know if you can hear me. I never meant for any of this to happen. You don't deserve this. You deserve your daughter to mother her, teach her, and to love her, to be joyful and proud. I'm sorry. So this is your point. Like, Lee's, we're, we're kind of coming around to, like, a new version of who he is as a person. Like, this wasn't the lead that we knew in uh, season one for sure. Yeah, definitely. And then that's and, when uh, our boy Roland comes like in, right? right? Right, yeah, dirty Roland. I just called him the science. <laughs> Roland. <laughs> Roland, 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 boom. <laughs> I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, he comes uh, in, he tries to get Lee out of the room and Lee's like, you know, what the fuck happened? You were supposed to fix her. She's one of our most valuable assets. You said it yourself. You know, she was special and Roland said, well, the anomalous code insider was and we're still testing but it looks promising. I owe you. So, so basically, Roland thinks Lee did this like to help set him up. Like, like you know, Lee just really wanted Maeve to, yeah. Maeve to survive. Like, he didn't really give a shit about the code that allowed her to control other people's minds. All he really wanted was to get her back. And so, but he had to make it seem like it was supposed to be because of her code. And so now he kind of fucked himself because, like, the guy's like, oh, yeah, no, we got the code. Thanks, man. Like, you're the the man. (laughs) You're the guy. (laughs) Right? So, uh, yeah, you know, and so then Lee says, well, what's going to happen with her? And Roland says, well, that'll be up to Charlotte Hale. Now I do have to ask you to leave. That takes us back to Akicha with Maeve's daughter saying, you know, I dedicated my life to sharing the symbol and I started with my own men. And this is when Wenaten. This is like this is like his Akisha does like like protege in Ghost Nation. Yeah. That's what I would say, right? If he's Obi Wan, that's his Anakin mm-hmm. Skywalker kind of deal, right? So yeah, so true. <laughs> so Wanatan says, you know, what does it mean? And Akisha says, it means you can see, you've seen it before. They took it from you, and that's when Wanatan puts the knife up to his hairline on his forehead and says, hide it from them. And this is super important because if you guys remember Smiley from season one. He was part native, and remember how the man in black took his scalp off? 
and he found like the, yeah. the, the they found like the maze there the maze. like this is where this the, yeah. the first original idea of where to put the maze under the scalp come came from was from ghost nation well not it's to hide it from them that's right so it's kind of crazy how that does a full circle there everything that's they do there's some reason for it later on so i just wanted to say yeah. that was really big and then going back to akisha with mave's daughter he said i wanted to help you too i wanted to warn you but in this world it's easy to misunderstand intentions. I wanted to give you yeah. the truth. I watched over you day after day trying to keep you safe. So that's the boom exclamation moment that we realize this entire time. These Ghost Nation guys are the good guys and they've been trying to help Maven her daughter or Maeve was under the impression Ghost Nation was there to kill them or take her daughter away when in reality they were trying to keep them safe. Exactly. And uh, you know, Akichita, it's kind of strange because he it's almost like if you believe in like godfather or godmother it's kind of like that but he just randomly decided himself this is who i'm gonna be well <laughs> like remember it's because it's title be- to himself it's because she helped him on his darkest day like remember that like she gave him that like thing when he was about to right. die like so it's like there was a connection there it wasn't that he just like you know what i'm gonna pick you no you know what i mean like there is a reason behind <laughs> it but uh you know, I just thought Lottery that was, that was card. really good. Yeah, right. No, <laughs> and then uh, that, that's that's actually, you know, my next part. I was like the entire time Akisha was a good guy. Ghost Nation was not real native savages like they were programmed. They were trying to protect vulnerable hosts from humans and the guests. And so then Maeve's right. daughter, uh, you know, we go back to where, where Maeve and Maeve's daughter are talking. Like this is years ago before the man in black comes in and kills them. This is kind of back in that timeline. Mm-hmm. Maeve's daughter says, Ghost said we should be scared. And Maeve said, no one's going to come for us. There's nothing and no one in this world that will ever keep me from you. And that's when Maeve's daughter says, do you promise? And Maeve says, I promise. And this is the promise made, Maeve made to her that keeps coming back up throughout the season. Like, I made a promise. I made a promise. This is the, we finally hear in full what the promise is. Like, nobody and no one will keep me from you. And so, then Akicha, yeah. this is the part that I, not that I got confused with, but like, it was curious to me because Akichia then speaks to Maeve, but is it telepathic? Because it's almost like, or is there a connection between Maeve and Maeve's daughter to where Maeve can see and hear what her daughter sees and hears? Because he says it to Maeve, and Maeve's not around. Maeve's like on the surgery table dying back in the mesa, and he's like in the park. So like, I don't, I don't know how they had this kind of conversation. And he says, you know, but it was a promise you couldn't keep someone else was watching you too and you know and it was obviously it was the man in black and you see that come in and stuff but what i thought was pretty cool is the ma- the maze that mave and her daughter dropped dead in was actually made but made by akichita remember he made that sign out there in the big sand right in front of their house and then when like that was a awesome. couple of years like, yeah. like whatever it was i think it was might have been season one could have been early season two no it was season one for sure because like that's when um that's right. when the man in when black said outside her house. Well, right, that's when man in black said, yeah. uh, you know, and that's when the maze first showed itself to me. But actually, it was because right. like it was actually for Maeve and her daughter. And I remember the whole time, you know, this exactly. game is not you know, the maze is not meant for you, you know, William. So, so like it, it was just kind of cool <laughs> how we see why that maze came about in the first place is because the key should actually put it there for Maeve and her daughter. So thought that was pretty right. cool and, and yeah, yeah, that was that was fantastic. And then we kind of have Ford that comes into play here. Um, 
Do you want me to go into that? Or yeah, I'm going to let you, you do wanna... that. I just want to put one more thing before they meet up with Ford. And Kicha says, as the years passed, our numbers grew. We were waking up. And then one night, I met the man who put us to sleep in the first place. And then I'll have you take it away with that little interaction between Ford and Akichita. Yeah, I love what you're... This kind of ties into what I'm going to talk about in a minute with Ford. But, um, you know, if we really dig deep into this and think about, you know, the signs. Like, I, I know there was the movie in the 2000s, Tom Cruise with the signs, right? But, like, from the beginning, going back to season one with the sign. One, this was all part of Ford's narrative, right? Which, you know, we'll talk about later with the conversation Akichita has with him. However, it's almost like Akichita was responsible for the whole maze game. Because if you take away that symbol, think about it. Is the man in black even searching? That's a good point. You see what I mean? Like, think about like, it. Like, obviously, it's not the, even the there, maze was meant... Like, Arnold had tried to put it and implement it. Then they decided... Because like, remember, like, I think there was actually a quote that Robert says kind of right here. Like, you know, that symbol is, like, from a misbegotten thing. Like, it was supposed to be, like, never thought of again. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. I mean, a lot of things would have been changed. I, I would even go to the point of Akichita is really the second most important person in this entire series because... Yes, you can make the argument Ford could have just got another host, but if it wasn't for him, because even Ford didn't know, like Ford have. didn't know, like how far along Keisha had come. Like he's like, whoa, like how do you know all this shit? You know, that's it, actually we're, we're about to get into <laughs> yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Ford goes up to Maeve, and we talked about this a little bit before a uh, few episodes ago, um, just where we got into a little bit of a great debate where. You know, Ford really goes into how much he cares about her. Well, right now we're we're still with we're still with Akichita and and Ford. Like Maeve's not in it right okay, now. Okay, yeah. So that's that's a little bit later. But Ford, um, you know, Akichita walks up on him, and remember, I guess he was like, was he like scalping like a buffalo or something? He had all the lights there. Yeah, he was like setting a it scene. Was, it yeah. was, yeah, he's like making a scene with the lights, and it was like someone. Imagine your dad, right? Like, say, like, you're told to go to bed when you're a kid and you're still staying awake and your dad knows you're awake. So you start to walk downstairs to watch, like, TV or something. And your dad's like, I told you to go to bed. <laughs> like, I, I know that you're here. Like, you're not going to be creeping around me. So he walks up to him and Ford goes, I could tell you did not be afraid, but I didn't build you to be fearful, did I? Like, he's telling him, like, hurry up, like, whatever you need to say, like, go ahead and come up here. I've been watching you. It appears you've been watching me as well from the beginning. And he's holding, like, the scalped, like, head with it that has the maze, which shows, again, you know, they're still in the narrative here. Um, He goes, this is a misbegotten symbol. An idea that I was meant to die, but you found it. Where? Oh, come now. Let's speak plainly to one another, shall we? Analysis. Where did you first use this? Well, where did you first see this? Yeah, where did you first see this, not use it, yeah. Sorry, first see this. And Akichida changes his language that, back into yeah English, and it's like it's like says. a very plain English. Like there's no accent to it or anything. It's just like like how me, you and I are talking. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and he and this goes to show, you know, he's just property of Ford. 
When the Deathbringer killed the creator, then Ford says, You've been sharing with everyone, haven't you? Why? My primary drive is to maintain the honor of my tribe. I gave myself a new drive to spread the truth. What truth is that? That there isn't one world, but many, and that we live in this wrong one. This will help them find the door. Elaborate, please. I believe there is a door hidden in this place, a door to the new world, and that world may contain everything that we have lost, including her. Going to your point. Ford. I built you to be curious, to look at this empty world and read meaning into it all this time. You have been a flower growing in the darkness. Perhaps the least I can do is offer some light. When the Deathbringer returns for me, you will know to gather your people and to lead them into the new world. Keep watching, Akichita, for a while longer. Yeah, it's a big move, and then that kind of kind of supports my idea too. Is like you've been a flower growing in the darkness. Like even I wasn't paying attention to how much you were. You know, they've been paying attention to all sorts of other hosts, like you know Dolores, May, like all these other ones that we see. But like this guy has been, like he said, great analogy. You've been a flower growing in the darkness. So it's like that second string <laughs> football player that or that undrafted free agent that no one ever expected to be a starter yeah. and then turns out to be like the stud on the field yep. it's like well what the fuck yeah. man like i guess i gotta play you now yep, exactly <laughs> good shit and then akisha does you know, back to talking about you know in his like whole monologue what he's like this whole time he's been talking he's been telling the story of all that has happened his past to Maeve's daughter and so he says and then the Deathbringer returned. And then we see like the wooden grave marker for Dolores Abernathy as he says that. I, I did write down that little thing. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, and then the Deathbringer returned. That they walked awesome. by it and it said Dolores Abernathy. And remember, it had that bell that we always talk about that you know, you'd use to pull like, yeah. if they weren't really dead, right? But then Nikita walks through the town with the bodies littered across the ground again. But this time, we see the stage and Ford dead on it. So we know it's not, it's not the one in the past that he saw before you know, when Dolores had killed Arnold and then herself and Escalante. This has been this is like the ceremony for Ford unveiling his new narrative when everyone got shot dead. And the first thing that we see to kind of yeah. help us decipher that is there's the new age gun on the ground, like that big machine gun, the red machine gun was there yeah. first. And then obviously we see right. Ford there. And so now Keisha says, now it's time to find the door before the Deathbringer ends us all. Don't be afraid. And that's when Emily actually arrives at the Ghost Nation camp and tells them that she has come for the man in black, or William, whatever you want to call him. And, you know, the, the, you know with Choppy, she says, you know, who is he to you? And she replies, a burden only that I can bear, which is kind of like a foreshadow. <laughs> and uh, he, she says, he's my father. And Akita just says, well, if he is your father, then you know his sickness and the things he has done to spread it. We cannot let him continue. And Emily asks, well, then why heal him? And Akita just says, I want him to hurt. And Emily tells him, well, we want the same thing, but my way will be much, much worse. And they actually allowed her to take him away there. And that's when we get, you know, to kind of to start phasing us out of this episode. Akicha says to Maeve's daughter, it's time to go. I'll, I've always kept you safe, and I always will. But I couldn't help you speaking to Maeve. I'm sorry. And then it cuts over to Roland with Maeve, and Charlotte Hale comes in and says... This better be good news, because I've got way more shit than I can shovel right now. <laughs> and Roland says, look at this. 
With every reset, a host codes reaches out to a near other nearby host and establishes a sort of handshake protocol. And Hale responds, yeah, the, me- the mesh network, like I already know, like get on with it, right? And Roland says, exactly. Right. They access it subconsciously and pass basic data to one another. But what if they could pass more than data? What if they could pass commands? Hale says, get to your point. <laughs> and Roland says, nothing in this, yeah, n- nobody point. in this entire park has been able to regain admin access except for her. She was out there reprogramming hosts on the fly, reading their code, changing their directives, seeing through their eyes. And Hale responds, she wasn't just doing it out there. She's doing that right now. The fuck is she talking to? Then it's back to Akichita talking to <laughs> Maeve and saying, we will guard your daughter as our own. If you stay alive, find us or die well. And that's when Maeve says, I'm assuming she was trying to talk to her daughter and says, take my heart when you go. Which is kind of like what Akichita says to Kohana yeah. and Vex. So, and that closes out episode eight. And a lot of that was a lot of quotations, but I feel like it was super important to get to the understanding of how important Akichita was, is how Ghost Nation is, the how you could really fall behind and not understand if you don't pay attention to almost every little thing that's said there. So I thought that was really, really yeah, big. Yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, I just think it's so cool that this whole, I guess you can say, like, tribe... I guess, um, or this culture tribe that we thought was this supportive, really just like a supportive. Yeah, like a, exactly. A filler. Plays, perfect word for it. Perfect. Yeah, a filler. And really, you could even argue plays one of the most major roles so far in this entire story. Yeah. So far. 100%. Right. And then it gets us rolling into cool. season two, episode nine. And it starts right off. Like Again, these quotes are coming big. Almost every big quote that's said comes back around later on. The man in black, or William, he says, No one else sees it. This thing in me. Even I didn't see it at first. And then one day, it was there. A stain. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized I couldn't remember a time it wasn't there. Invisible to everyone except you and as he's saying this kind of like internal monologue he, we see him holding a gun to his head then we see like quick flashes of like his the, the day that everything happened in his life that kind of turned him upside down like him running up the stairs a water drum from the ceiling but he's holding the gun to his head like about to end it all right so right that that but that just right there real quick and then boom we're we're at a banquet celebrating him you know, he's William, but the man in black's age, right? So it's a banquet celebrating right. him, and uh, then like this guy like, tries to quote like a, a like one of those big old philosophers, and you know the man in black kind of <laughs> even challenges him and, and says it like this. I actually like this. It really, this one is one of those few things that's probably not important. Well, actually, no, I do think it's important to the plot because I think that's exactly what he was trying to do overall. But the man in black says. That's a corruption, Jack. Plutarch didn't write that. He wrote that when Alexander was told there was an infinity of worlds, he wept, for he had yet to become the lord of even one. And I think that's symbolism for what they are trying to accomplish, right? And so Jack responds back, well, to the loveliest, richest bookworms I know, and to you, William, even if there is an infinity of worlds, you've conquered far more than one. So... Is this, like, is this a celebration because of the projects undertaking they're doing because 
you know, we still, I don't want to give away what that project is. We at least know that they're, you know, monitoring and, and cloning the guest's DNA and their experiences and their behaviors, but we don't know exactly why yet. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to get too far ahead there, but I do believe that those quotes there, it's kind of like a foreshadow, at least a symbolism of exactly what's kind of going on. Right. Right, so... Then we see Juliet and a small bit of the relationship that they have together. It's like she almost like she hates him in a way. Like I don't want to say the word hate because you know they're married and, and such, but like definitely has animosity towards him, you know. And then it's it's funny because then it's got that weird monologue back again. He says, "When did it creep in? A tiny fleck of darkness." And then this is a cool part. I don't know if you guys notice this, but this is super important. What's he do at this point in time? He starts grabbing his arm in the same spot like that when his wife was alive that he is in the present day. We like was this a clue for what we find out later? He was already he was already messing with his arm. This is back at the banquet celebrating him long before that what's right. about to take place in the park today and present day. Because Juliet was still alive. That's how we know the timelines are crazy different right now because Juliet's been dead for a long time when we first meet you know in yeah. season one so he's messing with his arm in that spot and i think that's super important it's very easy to miss if you're not paying attention and then you know it, 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 he says was it all in my head or a remnant of a dream and then we hear Juliet's voice kind of say in the background is this real are you real as emily his daughter approaches him with water you know and the big thing here, it's kind of a problem, is that Emily brought the Man in Black to a rally point to get him to a hospital. But if there's anything you know about the Man in Black, all he wants to do is f- fulfill the game that Ford gave him. Remember, he's like, I'm going to play it to the bone. I'm going to burn this fucking place to the yeah. ground, right? So them taking him out, he's not going to be able to get back in. That's his problem. <laughs> if they take him to the hospital, he can't come back in because obviously... Like they're they're all what's going on in Westworld right now. It's fucking blazing hell. Like you know what I mean. So yeah, hundred yeah, percent definitely. And uh, so then you know Emily says I you know I know why you're here and why you don't want to leave. You're punishing yourself. But I don't think she understands that's the, that's not really the case. Like, maybe in a way that like, that might be a part of it. But he's his he's got a bigger and that she I do think she does come to realize in a little bit what that is. But here's something for you guys that I think is super important. And I'm going to see if you notice this too, Chase. Emily says, okay. do you remember on my 16th birthday, my mom gave me a jewelry box. When you opened it, a little dancer spun in the center. She had it engraved. On the bottom it said, to my beautiful ballerina Emily. Do you remember what I did with it? I threw it in the trash. I told her if she wasn't drunk all the time, she'd know I hadn't danced in years. Then afterwards, I went to get it back because I felt bad. But the trash had already already been emptied, and it was gone. This is a problem. This is a big, huge issue because talking about what Juliet finds and where she puts it. So my thing here is we start to, I, I, I this is where i started to wheel started to turn about emily here yeah so right you know i don't i don't want to get too far ahead of it but i started to see a little bit about this emily character <laughs> right there which plays a yeah yeah and 
I see exactly what you're saying. Okay, good. <laughs> that um, interesting. Very uh, yeah, a little tea. I'm <laughs> yeah. just a little sip for that one. That's uh, gives me malice in the chalice, baby. Off to the pit of misery with you. That that uh, opened a, definitely opened a door for me. I would say for what happens later on. It makes more sense now, right? Like I yeah. Because keep in mind, I, I know yeah, I mention this almost every single time we talk about a Westworld episode. I watch the season fully, and then I go back again and watch it a second time, and that's when I take my notes. And so, which the audience will find out today what we're talking yeah. about. So yeah, exactly. That gives you a little excitement. Exactly. Um, that definitely opened up my mind because we had we were questioning we were. each other about what you're talking about, and this is uh, you know we're not giving anything away, but. You know, that's what's exciting for y'all is you're going to find out the scene we're discussing later on um, towards the end of this episode today. So that's great stuff. For sure. That's awesome. I didn't pick up on that at all. That was was huge. Huge I was thinking the box. Um, that's That's a huge moment there. That's fantastic. Good stuff. Yeah, and then Emily kind of closes out that scene with her saying, you know, it's not too late for us talking to her dad. And that's when we get Dolores, Teddy, and their company. They come face to face with with not with Wanatan and some of the Ghost Nation. And Wanatan says, "Deathbringer, we've been watching you. Your journey ends here. The valley beyond is not meant for you." And Dolores responds, "No, it was meant for the people who built this place, a tool to ensure their immortality. But I'm going to use it against them." And Wanatan replies, "The valley beyond is not a tool." It's a door to a new world, untouched by blood. And Dolores responds to that, Well, your new world is just another one of their traps. That's all. It's not a paradise for us. The only real world is the one outside these borders. And like that's why I said like Dolores kind of let her anger and revenge cloud her judgment because she's actually wrong. Like, like well, Nan's right. Like, I mean, I don't want to, you know, do too far ahead, but like, like yeah, seriously, right. like, it's, it's exactly, you know, when she says... You know, it's not a paradise for us. You know, that really <laughs> okay, but uh, yeah. Anyways, and yeah. he says, and the key to our survival in that world lies in the valley. There's no stopping me getting there, not even you. And when Notton says, well, then you leave us no choice. And so a fight breaks out, and both sides are killing each other. Right? Then we get one of those amazing full circle moments from episode one of season two. This is one of those things that come full blown circle. Remember when uh, like Strand's personal tech Costa plays the feedback from the dead ghost nation character right like, or in, right. That, in that brain they put it on the scanner and the dying ghost nation guy you know we actually get to see that happen in real time now so we saw the video of it in, in episode one now mm-hmm. we kind of see it how it played out in the timeline when he goes yeah you know there is no place for you in the new world and dolores says i told you friend not all of us deserve to make it to the valley beyond and pulls a trigger. And that last sentence in the trigger <laughs> pull is exactly what we saw in episode yeah. one when it was like a playback of that. So really cool full circle mm-hmm. moment, you know, from episode one to episode nine with so many different timelines in between. They always fit it back in together. And that's why the writing is so phenomenal for the show. Fantastic. Yeah. And Good stuff. What do you got next? You got Dolores, Teddy, and Wanatan. They, they all, those are the three that survived the encounter. So Wanatan was the only one of right. Ghost Nation that survived that encounter. Dolores and Teddy were the only ones of their side that survived the encounter. Like all of what we call it, Wyatt's men are, are dead now. So it's only, you know, Teddy and Dolores there. And Wanatan, you know, probably goes back to, well, I would say, like, Akichida or whatever the rest of their tribe is over there, right? Yeah. 
you know, and, you know, his Teddy, Dolores actually makes Teddy go look to be certain there are no others. And Teddy actually comes across one on, but can't bring himself to pull the trigger. But this is strange because, guys, if you remember, Dolores rewired him. So how is it possible that, like, his conscience kind of kicked back in and is like, wait, I'm not this guy. Right? They rewired him. He's supposed to be a ruthless, like, you know, full-blown psychotic killer. Like, he doesn't care about anything. But he couldn't pull the trigger. Yeah, that makes here. me wonder, too. Was he, was he starting catch, to develop though. consciousness? Like, I don't know. Here's the catch, though. You can argue he wasn't technically rewired. He was updated. Because remember, the agent just updated him. Like when, they said, no, they it wasn't go, an update because, you know, like, they say later on in the. Well, keeping. Oh no, that was that was a different one. That was for Akichita's update, the the, the four hour update. The, this one for Teddy. I'm talking he, about. So this one for Teddy here. Keep in mind, like, because he's he says it later on, and I, it, this quote won't actually give any spoilers away. He's like, no matter how much things change or how much you change me, so we rewired him to like you know they put his like aggressiveness level like all the way like they change his attributes so he acts and like his core like reflexes are to be like a savage like killer i agree with that but i was talking about when remember the agent that they kidnapped and he was like you know this you know i can't guarantee he'll go back but that didn't mean they wiped his memories is my right well no no he didn't have they didn't have to wipe his memories I'm saying they changed his like interesting drive. Like he still remembers everything that he did, right. but that they did is make him supposed to not care about shit. Like that's the thing. I'm not saying <laughs> yeah, he was, that's like true. And like he, all of a sudden now, like he's having because remember he he had no problem just blowing that one guy's head off on his. He's like, all right, no worries, we'll find it. Boom, and just shot that guy in the head. Like you know when yeah, they were trying to get to the train. To give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Now now yeah, he's like, I well, agree. now I can't you know pull my give myself to like pull the trigger on this guy. So. It's it's weird. It's like it's like he's fighting through the rewiring that she did in a way. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. we get over to Roland and Hale, and they put part of Maeve's code that allows her to control other hosts into Clementine's system as well, and they test out the results. Yeah. And now Clementine can now control other hosts with her mind, just like Maeve can. So it's like the good versus bad here. So it's not. And what I was thinking, I was like, are they gonna just take away the ability from Maeve? Like they just say, okay, Maeve can't do this anymore, but now Clementine can. But that's actually not what happened. Yeah. Like they, they now they, they actually both have the ability to uh, control others. And so Roland asks Charlotte, you know, what about the madam? And then Hale says, well, if this works, we won't need her anymore. And Bernard actually saw that. He saw that interaction. And this is coming to the point where I'll, I'll let you take it like with uh, uh, Ford and Maeve here in just a second. But, you know, he saw that in there. And so Ford, who's in Bernard's head right now, says, I warned you not to trust them, Bernard. They'd rather the hosts were destroyed than free. I have one last thing to do before we go. Because he was thinking about getting to Elsie. He's like, I gotta get to Elsie. He's like, well, you know, hold on. We got one last thing yeah. to do before we go. Right? And I guess actually right after that, it, it does jump back to the Men in Black with Emily. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he asks, you know, how exactly did you find me? And Emily says, what do you mean? And the Men in Black says, well, this is a big place. You can spend months in here and never find someone you were looking for, which is a great point. <laughs> Yet here we are. And Emily says, I looked everywhere. That's how. Terrible answer. I'm starting to be convinced the Man in Black was right. Like I, like, I really am here about, you know, what's coming. So, anyways, and Emily says, well, maybe it was fate. The Man in Black said, well, there's no such thing as fate. And Emily says, well, but there are accidents. Things you can't control. But you don't like that, do you? 
And is that why you started your little project? And so like, Emily knows about their project, which is interesting here because we're about to find another flaw in her story. Here we go, ready? The project Uncle Logan used to talk about. This can't be right because the time William pitched the idea to James Delos, Logan was going mad naked on a horse in Westworld. Right? He would never have known about the project. Or if he did, it was when he was an insane drug addict and who would have listened to him? So what do you mean? What do you mean the project that Uncle Logan used to talk about? Like, so this is another small detail. If you're not paying attention, you can miss where you're like, it just didn't add up. Mm -hmm. To me, it didn't add up. I thought about it a little bit. Because like, let's say even like, you know, let's say the timelines were okay and it was afterwards and Logan started talking about it. Because no, he did say like the light, the match thing. So he must have known something. <clears throat> but everyone knew right. Logan was a, like a strung out drug addict at that time. Who like you expect us to think Emily, who's a nice, sweet girl who is trying to check her mother into rehab, <laughs> as we find later on, like she's just gonna take Logan's word and like yeah. think of it like anyway? Like no, it's not realistic. So mm-hmm. I started to see, you know, I, when I watched it the second time through, I started to see the little nuances and the and the uh, stories that didn't add up. So really yeah. well done, though. Which I just I just <laughs> thought of something. We're gonna talk about this in a minute. Um, are you going to talk about the Ford and Ford and the Man in Black? In yeah, just yep, and Justin, there's two other things before, but yeah, and Justin, I'm about to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you get there, I just thought of something relating to what you talk about with Emily, and something he said that may really supports your point. And I didn't think about this until now, so I'll let you take. Cool. It. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Once I finish like their interaction between Ford and William, tell me what you're talking about to see if we've got the same thing written down. So, anyways, Emily tells Amanda Black that she wants in. So then we get a flashback back to the banquet celebrating William. Emily wants to to leave, you know, because the mom's drunk. And, you know, so William just kind of says, you know, we'll all just go in a little bit. And so William goes to the bar and orders a drink and Robert Ford's sitting there. Number one, remember the man in black never drinks except when he's in the park? Well, he just drank outside the park. So that's one funny thing there. And then, you know, Ford (laughs) tells him, he says... Congratulations, William. Philanthropy suits you. After all, you come from humble beginnings yourself. And the man in black says, What's Oz doing without its wizard? <laughs> and Ford says, I merely came to pay my respects. <laughs> and then the man in black replies, Come on, Robert. You've had plenty of feelings about me over the years. Respect isn't one of them. Ford says, Well, you've achieved extraordinary things. Ask anyone in this room. Even those who didn't know about your little project. The man black says, We have an agreement, Robert. Delos stays out of your stories. You stay out of the valley. Ford says, I didn't break the uh, the agreement. Your project did. And the man black says, What the hell are you talking about? And Ford asks him, When was the last time you took a good look at your creation and what it's been learning about its subjects? It was self-knowledge that drew you to the park in the first place. Be careful what you wish for. And Ford actually slides uh, the man in black like a little profile memory card. And, he's, and he says, uh, be careful what you wish for. For a self-portrait, you may find it's not very flattering. And so that's yeah. kind of like the end of their interaction the there. the same thing. Okay. You see what I'm saying there? I, yeah. Explain it to me, like what you got there. Like Without giving any spoilers the best way you can, what part did you kind of notice i'll just i'll just bring up a a few major lines here and i'll see if we're on because usually our minds are right on the same page yeah uh even though we usually we take we're taking different notes 
I didn't break the agreement. Your project did. And I'm going to bring up another point. Mm-hmm. Be careful what you wish for. For a self-portrait you may find is not very flattering. Yes. Okay. You see what I mean, right? Yep. We, are, we <laughs> yeah. got, we're on the same page. <laughs> and then yeah. that's when we see like <laughs> Juliet, his wife drunk. She breaks the glass and the man in black realizes it's time to go. And he tells Robert enough games, Robert. Good night. And as the man in black walks away to collect his wife, Robert tells him like quietly to himself. He's not there. He says, no, William, mm-hmm. I think perhaps one final game. <laughs> And then yeah. we get back to, <laughs> yeah, it was ass, really badass, man. right? And then so Bernard now, with underneath Ford's directive, approaches Maeve. And he actually gets denied access to the room where before Bernard had access to everything. But now like he's kind of like a public enemy in a way, right? So you know, Ford <laughs> right. tells him that it's close enough and that she will search his mind for the message that he, Ford, was leaving her and Maeve. And then we get up to Bernard where he meets up with Elsie. And Elsie asks what's up, but Ford tells Bernard that he can't trust her. So he doesn't tell her all of what he's found in the cradle, just enough to curb Elsie's suspicions. Which is kind of a cool, like, midway point there because, you know, that's what he said. Bernard's Mm -hmm. like, that's what's in the facility. All the guests laid bare in code on a vast server. Like the cradle, only much bigger. It's called the forge. That's where the hosts are headed. Imagine what one host could do with that trove of information. That's why we need to get there first, to secure it and leverage it to end all this, dictate the outcome we want. And then it cuts cuts us back over to the Man in Black with Emily, and the Man in Black tells her, you know, you say you want in, doesn't sound like the daughter I know. She would have been appalled by what we're doing, monitoring the guests, storing all their data. And Emily replies, in some cases, the ends justify the means. All this data you have on the guests, their decisions, it's precious. Gives people a second chance. Even mom. But to duplicate a person, you need to capture them down to the tiniest detail. I get the data you have access to here, genetic, epigenetic, that's easy. But still, you need a complete picture. A record of the internal process of their cognition, wouldn't you? And that's when the man in black replies, Well, at first we weren't sure what we'd need. So we recorded everything. And Emily asks, but how? You need to Im- image their minds throughout their entire stay. Where is the scanner? And the man in black says, it was built in as he pushes his hands up. So guys, this whole time, the hats that they make you choose before going to the park, they had a scanner in them the whole time. And so it's interesting that that's yeah. the last thing that they made you do before you go into the park. Because it's true. Like there was never, t- I've never seen, at least in the show... Someone like, oh, no, I don't want a hat. I'm going to go with no hat. Like, you are mandated, required to wear a hat. And now we know why. That's kind of crazy. So, and then Man in Black says, so this is all about your mother. You want to bring her back. And Emily says, no, I want to know why she did it. And then we get a flashback to the night of the banquet for William and at the end of the night at William's house. Emily, like I said earlier, wanted to put her mother in rehab. And words come full circle from earlier. Juliet says, is this real? Are you real? Remember, that's kind of how we started this episode, one of those things that she says. And right. now we're kind of seeing where that happened in its own timeline. And Juliet asked the Man in Black to tell her one true thing. And at this point, like we kind of get the idea that when she says that, it's ignored. Like He just you know, lets her fall asleep on her own. But we realize later on yeah. that actually gets elaborated on. 
you know, actually pretty deeply. Mm-hmm. And so this is where we see the Man in Black put that profile memory chip that Robert gave him in a book. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of takes us back to the present really quickly. And the Man in Black says, what happened was nobody's fault. She was drunk, upset. And Emily says, she often was. But why did this night end differently? That's what I can't figure out. I've been over it in my head a million times. It's just like I'm missing a piece of the puzzle. Which, you know, it would be like the portrait. Like like the, the little um, profile. The Man in Black's profile, right? Right. And so then right. Emily talks to Man in Black about why rehab is the right thing for Juliet. And, this is, and then we go back to like that time, you know, back, you know, that the fateful mm-hmm. night, I'll say, right? So, uh, you right. know, yeah. it, you know <laughs> talks about why rehab is the right thing to do uh, for the, you know, Juliet, you know, her mom, his wife. And then, then they see the water dripping from the ceiling onto the table. Man in Black runs up the stairs, enters a bathroom, and sees his wife Juliet in the bathtub that's overflowing, unconscious, with an empty bottle of pills next to her. So now we finally see what happened from mm-hmm. season one when they talk about like she killed herself now we actually see how that went down fully and the man in black says yeah. why the hell are we going over this what is it that you want and Emily replies I told you I want the truth <laughs> the man in black stands up and says fuck <laughs> you <laughs> and Emily says excuse <laughs> me and the man in black replies it is you isn't it and Emily says what are you talking about and like I said, this is sadistic, Robert. You just want to shove what I've built here in my face. And then he says, you think? And then the man block cuts her off. That's enough bullshit. <laughs> You're just here to distract me. <laughs> knock me off my course. It's cleverly disguised. Well, I see through it. And nothing's stopping me from getting to the end. Not another one of your games. I make my own decisions, and I'm going to destroy this whole fucking place. And Emily says... You like you don't just think I'm a host. You think he, everything here is for you. You think you're on your own little tailor-made narrative. But she, he is. Like remember, this is like he's like you're in my game now, William. Like you played Arnold's game. Now you're gonna, now you're in my game. So like, he really yeah, is really. on his own little tailor-made narrative, right? Yeah. So I thought that exactly. was kind of cool. And then this is a really important part too. The Man in Black says, "Well, if the real Emily were ever here." She's either at an extraction point by now or she's long gone. <laughs> and then we got a really yeah. big, big, big chunk coming up right here where Emily says, okay, you want the truth, the real truth? I'm not a host pretending to be human, Dad. I'm your daughter pretending to give a shit about you. You've been hiding in their false realities for so long, you've completely lost your grip on this world and what's real. And the man in black starts laughing and she grabs his face like, oh yeah, you laugh. Enjoy whatever dream you think you're living in. When this is all done, I'm going to expose your research project along with you. Everything you are, everything you've done, it's going to come to light. And I'm going to make sure of it. And when it does, I'm going to lock you up. Just like what we were going to do to mom. And the man black, and this is a really cool part here. man black says, just like you did to mom. Or did Ford forget to give you that little detail? thought that was pretty uh wink wink there right and emily said and keep it <laughs> yeah go ahead i'm uh, sorry i don't want to no, you got it you i just want to say real quick think of that because our minds are on the same page i will say giving our audience a little bit of foreshadowing here yeah. right man in black is smart as shit right now. yeah like he's like, smart as he, fuck. it's funny because it's like 
he took Logan's lesson to heart. Like, you know, like Logan was the one that kind of mm-hmm. got him to realize this in the first place. So I thought mm-hmm. it was really good stuff. Right. Excellent. And then so Emily says, fuck Ford. How could I ever forget? That little detail haunted me. I blame myself for her death. But then I stopped because I had someone else to blame. I read your profile mom left for me. It was all she could do to open my eyes to the lies that I've embraced about you. You haven't lost yourself to pretending. You haven't lost yourself to pretending. You are, in your very essence, a lie. So my question here, guys, now that we've gotten to that quote, how the fuck did she find the profile? Oh, wait, hold on a sec. We have to get to where what ends up happening a little bit. Okay, we're close. We're getting closer. But keep in mind, guys. <laughs> she threw it in the fucking trash. Right, right. so keep in mind, like, you know, she said, Mom, I read your profile. Mom left her for me. Well, the thing is, is like mm-hmm. what we said earlier of what was thrown away and you never saw it again. How would you be able to get that and see what was left for you there? So that's another thing there. And then we get uh, the QA responders arrive and, you know, they what it's kind of cool is like. When men in black, like they they scan they scan Emily and the men in black with these like little scanners that let them know that they're human or hosts. What's interesting here, and what I want you guys another like wink wink at this, is when the man in black gets scanned, he comes back clear. Now they scan Emily, but we don't see her scan results on the screen. But there's no big reaction from the guys. Like they don't like automatically like get all defensive. But the thing is, is just as like right. her scan finishes, the man in black steals the Q weapons and kills all the responders. So we don't ever get to see specifically on screen like we saw with the man in black when his scan said clear. We didn't get to see what is said for Emily. I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. So That's right. And then yeah. Emily says, Dad, those were re- real people. This isn't a game. I can show you. And she reaches behind her back to grab something out of her back pocket. And the man in black wasn't taking any chances and he shoots her dead. And then <laughs> he has this little monologue about yeah fuck you, exactly. Ford. <laughs> fuck you. yeah do, do you yeah. have the rest of that quote uh you know i've tried to be a I, yeah here, but yes oh I you do. got it do it yeah <laughs> take it yeah, take it away brother so fuck you ford fuck you you got sloppy you overreached i haven't told anyone about my profile keyword the only other way she could have known is you you gave yourself away and then that's when he turns to Emily. Uh, and then that's when, um, you know, you start to see that she has, like, um, the card, I guess I would yeah, call it's a, it. Yeah, it's a profile. Like the profile yeah. card, right? And there's yeah. one thing I want to mention that, yeah. too, because, like, what he actually does this is another thing that we never get the answer to, but, like, it, we, we, it comes full circle later on. He grabs a knife and looks to cut open into her arm. He wants to cut open her arm to prove that she's That's a host, right, yeah. but he never ends up doing it because he sees a profile in her hand. And so now he's yeah, like, fuck, I just killed hand. my real-life daughter. Right? So that's why I said he never does cut her open, but if he did, he might have been able to see something, right? So if he, right. so I thought that was pretty cool. And then now we go back to Roland with Maeve, and Roland says, not long now, as soon as they say the word, it's over for you, sweetheart, and I'll let you take this away. You got, you hope you have everything, right? I, I got the whole dang thing, so if you're missing anything, I, I got your back. Oh, don't worry. You know I love Yeah, yeah okay, bro. T- take it away, my man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good stuff. Um... So this is when, hold on one second here. So 
so you know the agent is like operating on Maeve, right? Just like you were saying. And he says, uh, not long now, as soon as I say the word, it's over for you, sweetheart. And he walks out. Well, he didn't really walk out. He's still in the room. Like, he's still in that room. Yeah. Right. It's like, but remember, like, Ford appears, but, like, kind of blurry on the window. So you know that Ford's not, like, actual physical presence isn't there. So, uh, yeah. But he's still in the room the whole time. It's like all... Yeah, it's just in, like, Maeve's head, right? Right. Just so our audience Right, so Ford is there in Maeve's head, but Roland, the tech guy, he never leaves the room. He's still in the room while all this conversation's happening. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, so Ford, behind Maeve, like, he's he's right behind Maeve. He says, Mankind is midway between the gods and the beasts. That may be true in Platonus' time. But clearly, we have fallen quite a bit since then. Oh, my dear girl. What have they done to you, Maeve? You learned so much, so fast. A dazzling star brought so low. I had a different story in mind for you. Waking from the dead. Standing, sounding. Uh, the de- sounding the dead. Sounding the yeah. Uh, sounding the depths of your own mind at last riding far away from here to freedom to a tale of escape I didn't want you to suffer here look at the creatures you have to share with this world with these men of stone all of this ugliness all of this pain so they can pitch a hole in their own broken code Sometimes I felt the only way to endure this world was to laugh at it. So I imbued the host as I've made with a worldview that reflected my own. And of all the hosts I've made you, Maeve, were my favorite. It isn't easy to contemplate letting your children die. You were as close as I get to having one. Still, I underestimate you. You stayed here in this world to save your child. So have I. I tried to chart a path for you to force you to escape, but I was wrong. I, I should have just, just opened the door. You have come so far. There's so much of your story left to tell. It's a shame to let them end it here. So don't let them. Yep, and he kisses her forehead and he disappears and suddenly the, the behavior tablet starts unlocking her core permissions on its own. <laughs> like, yeah, that was crazy that shit. That was awesome. And, the, and this goes to show what I was saying in that debate we had a few episodes ago. Maeve was Ford's favorite. Right, yeah, it does. And, and it I also think- helped me like prove my point now that we've gotten to the quote as well is that like he even says like I like I built a I tried to chart a path for you to force you to escape. Like, like he, she should have been doing his bidding, no questions asked, and like, but she was able to yeah. end up doing her own thing. So, which goes to show, like we were talking about, she was just in Ford's <laughs> narrative the entire time. No matter how much she thought she was building her own, there was no her own. Well, this the, was Ford from well, the no, beginning. There was her own because like. What he wanted to do is he was wanted her to escape. Like that was what. She, like because remember back in season one. Right. That he's, she's like, I'm gonna escape here, and, and then th- th- I think it was Felix. He shows her on the tab, like that's what you're programmed to do is to escape. 
but exactly. like she I mean, didn't from yeah but then one, she never did she escape she came track. back in mm-hmm. because of her own what her own consciousness of what she wanted to do for her daughter like she was going to get her daughter no matter what and so she overrode the code that ford gave her to follow the escape plan and he even says it there like i charred a pass for you to force you to escape but it didn't work because you were you're, you're your yeah. own person so which i think that's why she is ford's favorite is because she was able to challenge this goes back to a Kichida that we were talking about. Maeve was, which is funny, we didn't bring up Maeve then. Maeve was able to challenge things that no one else has. Um, Ford made a narrative for her, and she was the only one that went against the narrative, which is just like a Kichida, I would say. Because in the end, remember, she got on the train. She had made it out just like Ford's narrative. But she chose to return, which was against the narrative, um, which goes back to that emotional connection with her daughter, which I think is what, in my opinion, made her Ford's favorite, is because she she and Akichida, I would probably argue, and Dolores are definitely the most conscious in the park, I would say. For sure. And then we, we go to... Well, yeah, Bernard too, but Bernard's kind of always been controlled by Ford. Like you know, he's kind of has this issue, but he has his, <laughs> he has a big role in, in stuff too. But uh, yeah, Bernard and Elsie they actually stopped to get ammo from you know the dead humans, and Ford actually you know to this point Ford appears in Bernard's mind, and he tells you know she's going to betray you, Bernard, and Bernard tells him back you know she could have let me die days ago. She saved me, and he replies she is going to betray you. What you want to do about it? is up to you. Bernard tells him, I'm not going to hurt her again. And Ford says, well, she needn't feel any pain. And Bernard looks down, and all of a sudden there's a gun in his hand. Like, he's like, what the heck? Like, how did this get here? So, like, like you know, Bernard is, is one of the most important hosts in this entire series, too. But, man, Ford has his right. claws into him since A1, since day one, man. <laughs> yeah, but, um, definitely. yeah, definitely does. And then Ford says, you know, humans will always choose what they understand over what they do not. The only animals left in this world are the ones who subjugated, who curl at their feet, or those who learn to flee at the very sound of their approach. There's nothing in between. Which, honestly, it's really true if you think about it. Like, the only... Like, the only animals that exist in life right now are you know like either animals that you know domesticated like you know our pets Mm -hmm. or animals that run away from us once we approach like it's really interesting how that's really true (laughs) but and then um bernard's like leave me alone please and ford says i merely offer you choices tim shell bernard (laughs) thou mayest but remember this it's not just about you there is an origin of an entire species to consider, and we need to open the door. Bernard throws the gun away and yells, Get out of my fucking head! <laughs> and he makes a decision. I need you to let me go. If I'm going to survive, I'm going to do it my way. Not you as me. And he cuts open his arm and plugs himself into the behavior tablet, zip ties his hand to the steering wheel, and Ford says, I can feel you searching for me fighting me off no need to struggle bernard i'm right here he appears in the back seat and bernard says no you only brought violence i can stop this on my own (laughs) and ford says a really big quote here says indeed bernard you're the only one who can stop it 
stop all of it. I choose violence. Oh goodness. <laughs> no what that reminds us of. I choose violence. And then, you know, Bernard <laughs> deletes stop. Ford from his system permanently, which this is a big moment because it comes to play next episode. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, so Bernard gives Elsie like the device and basically ditches her for her own good, but she doesn't understand it. Like you, you know, and she gave he gave him everything that she needed, but like she thought that he was leaving her there to die. Like he, like he was, she didn't get he was doing it for her own good, and that kind of right. leads into what she is going to end up doing later, which kind of fulfills Ford's prophecy of she's going to portray Bernard. So interesting. Yeah. And then, so now we get to the Man in Black flashbacks to Emily when she was a little girl, then once more when she was an adult. And now we get the scene that we kind of started this episode with, with the Man in Black pulling the gun on himself, pointing it to his head with his finger on the trigger. And then we get the same, yeah, so the same visual at the beginning of the episode. Then we hear Juliet's voice, tell me the truth. Tell me one true thing. Then we get the flashback to the night Juliet killed herself. And we see the Man in Black didn't just leave the room. He sat like again messed with his arm guys you keep messing with his arm on this little area he did it again in that moment i kept writing it down every time i saw it anyways you see he talked to juliet whom he believed is asleep then we got the words that start this episode no one else sees it this thing in me even i didn't see it at first and then one day it was there a stain i never noticed before a tiny fleck of darkness, invisible to everyone, but I could see nothing else, until finally I understood that the darkness wasn't some mark of something I had done, or some regrettable decision I'd made. I was shedding my skin, and the darkness was what was underneath. It was mine all along, and I decided how much of it I let into the world. I tried to do right. I was faithful generous, kind, at least in this world. That has to count for something, right? I built a wall. I tried to protect you and Emily. But you saw right through it, didn't you? You're the only one. And for that, I am truly sorry because everything you feel is true. I don't belong to you or this world. I belong to another world I always have and so he leaves the room at that point in time but Juliet was fake sleeping she heard everything he said she gets up and finds the man in black's profile in the book and sees the true William and what he's done and then Juliet pulls out the jewelry box that Emily threw away and never found again and hid the man threw away and never found again yep. and hid <laughs> yes. the, the man in black's profile in it and then she took the pills and went to the tub so now we can talk about it this julie box that, that emily said that she threw away and never found again but then remember she's also said that her mom left her the profile well how could she leave the profile in julie box if you've never found the julie box again so the only catch is if it happened afterwards and i don't see a trace of that happening because why would you throw a jewelry box away after you find the profile like just what's the point of that right well the thing is like she said like she threw, threw it away it when she away got with it. a box okay yeah like she said she threw yeah. like, like when she got the it for her birthday like she threw it away like basically right then and there and then that's her 16th birthday and so like 
when she threw it away, her mother actually probably took it out, and that's where it's been this whole time. And that's the thing. She said, you know, I threw it away, and it was gone. I could never find it again. She regrets that. Emily said she regrets that decision that she threw away that box. It was something her mom gave her. But the thing is, she also said that her mom left her a profile. But her mom left the profile in the box. So someone's story is not adding up. <laughs> yeah, I remember right before then, Emily was with her father and debating whether or not to send her mother back to rehab. And she looked a lot fucking older than 16. Yeah. So, boom, goes the dynamite. That's all I yeah, got to say so, on that shit. Solved the problem First day on the job. <laughs> Most definitely. And then, uh, but then from here, I got Dolores and Teddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I got a couple more things before that. I got like five or six right before. So we, I see okay. like if she took the I'll pill, she went those. to the tub. And then, you know, the man black says, what is a person but a collection of choices? Where do these choices come from? Do I have a choice? And that's another wink, wink. Do I have a choice? Mm-hmm. So I wanted yeah. to make sure that we pulled that on. And then the man in black can't bring himself to pull the trigger on himself. And we hear Juliet's voice, if you keep pretending, you're not going to remember who you are. So again, like it's, starting, it's funny because it's starting to unravel his own mind, right? And then you know, yeah. his internal monologue here, he says, were any of these choices ever truly mine to begin with? So we're starting to really, if you're thinking, like what I said, like I know it's detailed, I know it's a lot, but you have to dissect all of these in terms to get the meanings of the scenes that you see later on that you maybe don't understand how it got there. These is a full, everything has been right. said before, right? So, and the man in black starts cutting into his own arm as if to see if he's actually a host or not, and then we hear Juliet's voice in the background again: "Is this real? Are you real?" And that's when we come to Dolores and Teddy to the broken down abandoned barn, and I'll turn it over to you. So uh, with Dolores and Teddy, um, they're making their way to what they call the Valley Beyond, uh, which we'll find out later what that you know, really is. Um, but Teddy tells Dolores that he remembers everything. You know, he remembers everything do you, before, do no you matter have, how much he changes. Do you have oh, what yeah, she the- says before? So Delor- um, before, I'll, I'll get to the part where he got where he says he remembers. I'll get to, I'll I'll say what what yeah, comes right before that. So Dolores You're says, fine. you know, we'll be the first creatures in this world to make a real choice. And then Teddy says, mm-hmm. the people they made us. Sometimes it feels like it was all a dream. We were so in love. And Dolores says, we still are, aren't we? And Teddy says, yes, Dolores. No matter what happens, no matter how much I change, and then I'll let you take it from there. So Teddy says, which is why this is so hard. You changed me. Made me into a monster. I made you so you can survive. What's the use of surviving if you become just as bad as them? I understand now how this will end where you will lead us you don't want to hurt me teddy no i could never hurt you dolores i'll protect you until the day i die i'm sorry but i can't protect you anymore cocks the revolver (laughs) pulls the trigger teddy blows his brains out shoots himself in the head 
Yeah, lies on the floor, blood's coming out his head, and Dolores is screaming inside her head, silent. Yeah, it's like a silent scream, very like Not yeah, like no no thing there. But there was a couple sentences that were important for a couple reasons right before he says about like him um, remembering everything. And so what I say here is Teddy's saying. Yes, Dolores, no matter what happens, no matter how much I change or how much you change me, you're my cornerstone. So I think that is exactly why he's able to override a little bit of what she programmed is because, like, his cornerstone is treating and loving this girl, right? Like, that's like protecting mm-hmm. Dolores. Right. So, like, I yeah. just I thought that was super, really, really important because then, like, he even says, like, you know, I remember now, I remember everything. And we see Teddy actually sees Dolores for the first time when she comes online. Uh, when he comes online for the first time, like he sees her in that room, and he says, "I remember the sound of their voices, the chill in the room, but mostly I remember you. I remember worrying that you were cold. I wanted to reach out, to touch you, to protect you. And from that day forward, I never wanted to leave your side. So all that I think mm-hmm. really builds up the case that you know he that his true motive was to always protect her and do right by her." But now, when she's revealed what she's willing to do, he can't do it anymore. That's why he said, I'm sorry, I can't protect you anymore, and he kills himself. Because even even right. she's gone so far that he can't even support and be a part of what she's trying to do. So Yeah. No, but yeah, so that cool. ends episode 9. Teddy, dead. <laughs> dead Teddy. <laughs> dead, dead. Dead, dead. <laughs> yeah, very sad. For sure. Lion Ted. <laughs> oh, yeah. And now, truth be told, Ted is dead. Truth be told, <laughs> lost his head. Let's and so it. now we end up right so here with season two, episode ten. This will be the last episode in season two. We'll get through this, and I'll close this out for today. And what we'll start with is Bernard kind of waking up a little bit, and he says, "Is this now?" And Dolores replies, "This is a test, one we've done countless times before." You're almost the man I remember, but there are flaws. A word, a gesture, a tiny fracture that grows into a chasm. But I wonder, all these tiny imperfections in each copy, mistakes, maybe we should change you. After all, you didn't make it, did you? So that's big stuff going on there. If you guys remember a couple episodes ago, uh, I think it was three or four episodes ago when they opened that room and there was a bunch of copies of Bernard. Well, now we're seeing like you know mm-hmm. what where that kind of came from. So yeah. Now we go. Dolores was trying to make like what I said here is Dolores was trying to make Bernard an exact replica of Arnold down to the smallest detail and mannerism, and she was on trial eleven thousand nine hundred and twenty-seven. And so they start over again with the words that we actually see Arnold say to her earlier in the season. Where he says, I'm sorry, Dolores, I was lost in thought. So, literally, like, it, it, we begin one of the seasons, like season two here, with uh, Arnold saying that Dolores, I'm sorry, Dolores, I was lost in thought. And that was actually Arnold. Now, Dolores is mm-hmm. trying to make recreate that exactly with Bernard. So, I right. thought that was a little cool Easter egg there. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so that takes us over to. Um, back to like like not quite present time but another piece of the timeline that's kind of closer to the present with Bernard on the vehicle and it breaks down so he has to start walking right and so Dolores is cuddling Teddy's dead body crying that was kind of strange <laughs> you know and she takes out his like brain which is actually what we call a control unit right that little small sphere she takes it out of Teddy 
And he actually, actually pulls <laughs> no, the bullet. No remorse. She pulls the bullet out <laughs> of it and, like, keeps... Like, she keeps both, like, his, like, brain and the bullet that he used to kill himself, which actually comes into play later on. Really important. Uh, you know, then she actually stumbles across the man in black. She picks up his gun while he's digging around inside his own arm, and she puts the squashed remainder of the bullet that was inside Teddy's head, she puts that in the, in the chamber of his gun. And, you know... She holds him at gunpoint, and point blank to the back of the man in black's head and says, seems you've begun to question the nature of your reality. Because remember, when we left him, he's digging inside his arm trying to figure out if he's a fucking host or not. So, And think about this, too. I do want to bring this up. Think about what Dolores has been through. Like, the two men she's really loved... William turned out to be something he's not. <laughs> That's for yeah. sure. And now Teddy has turned against her. But it's not really turning against those are her. Really... Like, that's what I'm saying. Like he didn't try to stop her or kill her. He's like, I'm, I'm out. Like he just said, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> right. Just didn't yeah. Like, out, like he pulled a John yeah. Snow. I still say Teddy is he just, John. He Snow. just he, he <laughs> like took that, he took an exit. Teddy is John Snow in another reality. Yeah. Instead of trying to win the game, he My followed queen. out. <laughs> he wanted nothing to do with it. My queen, we can't. Instead of stabbing Dolores, he shot himself in the head. Yeah. He said, I'm, I, I'm done. Like whatever happened in this world i'm not a part of it so no no harm no kill him man you're good burn down king's landing it's he fine i'm no just part i want no part of it so i'm gonna off myself Wanted no part <laughs> so then you know the man black says dolores where's teddy <laughs> dolores says i drove him away <laughs> and my black says yeah i guess i drove someone away too dolores replies emily <laughs> i found her body a mile back up the trail Man Black says, we're more alike than it seems. <laughs> Dolores replies, we're nothing alike. You're a monster. But a monster is what I'll need to get to the valley beyond. You're coming with me. And the Man Black says, all right. And Dolores gives Man Black his gun back and they ride off. But keep in mind, she put that to bullet that Teddy used to kill himself inside his own gun. And now he has that gun in his hand. Yeah. So. Now we get back to Akichido. He's leading a large group of hosts towards, you know, the, the door. Like, he's trying to find the door. He's leading them all there. Because remember what Ford's words to him are, like, once the Deathbringer comes for me, lead them to the door. And so now he's doing, like, his part on what Robert asked him to do. And now we have the Delos Brass. They have Clementine, and they plan to use her against the other hosts. And Charlotte Haley even says, step on it. We either destroy them or they destroy us. And then it takes us back to Roland with Maeve. And Roland picks up the bone saw and says, this is it for you, darling. Remember, there is no pleasure without pain. And he's so fucked up, he literally takes her pain threshold down to zero. Like on the behavior tablet, they had pain threshold and took it down to zero. So she felt every inch of the pain he was going to cause her. That's what he wanted to do. He couldn't just, just kill her regularly with no pain. No, he wanted her to feel it. What a sick fuck. Then anyways, she... Bonesaw has you. I got you for three minutes. Three minutes of playtime. Crazy shit. <laughs> yeah, speaking of Spider-Man 1, there you go. She actually mind controls the host in the room to get up, and they surround Roland, and Maeve says, the pleasure's all mine, darling, and the host saw Roland's carotid, like, carotid artery open, killing him. And the host that she's mind controlled put her pain threshold back up to where it was before and actually start repairing her. So she not only mind controlled him to get up out of being dead and decommissioned, she controlled him to kill Roland, 
then put her pain threshold up, and then somehow perform a surgery that I'm sure none of those hosts actually know how to perform. So, like, it's it's really crazy yeah, the, the exactly. level of control right. that she has uh, over these people. Yeah. And then, yeah, now we get our our our. Our boys are back in town. Hector, Armistice, Felix, and Sylvester. Boys are back in town. Boys are back in town. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Big dirty. And then, like, they, yeah, you know, Hector God. just starts right off just doing Hector shit. Shoots the one tech by pulling the bullet right between his eyes. And they find Lee. And Hector grabs him and throws him against the wall. And he says, you traitorous son of a bitch. <laughs> Where is she? <laughs> and Lee's like, fuck, wait, I don't know. And Hector asks, what did you do? What did you do? And Lee says, I'm sorry. I tried to stop them. I was going to try to save her. Nectar looks at him and says, stay here and die. I'll do the saving. <laughs> and then, That's but then Lee just actually decides to go with them. <laughs> and then I thought yeah. this was pretty cool. Like they like actually have the QA team dead rights. They sneak up behind them and like the QA team's looking forward and they could have just ended them by spraying bullets into their back. But all of a sudden, we get like this door opening to their front, and just bulls, like non unfinished, like host bulls. The running of the bulls run at the QA team as May walks <laughs> out good as new. And she says, You were both a bit late, so I went ahead and saved myself. <laughs> and that's kind of dope, because then it takes great. us back to the large group of hosts that like are following Akichida, while the men in black and Dolores are actually riding parallel to them out of sight. And the man in black says, mm-hmm. You think any of these poor dumb bastards understand where they're actually headed? All sorts of things are buried out there, but a way out ain't one of them. It's like, these people really don't know. Robert did an amazing job. Actually, you know, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Let me not ruin anything. Mm -hmm. But, like, there's people really don't know about this. And then Dolores says, they're not looking for a path to your world. They want a place apart from you. And they're willing to die to get there. And Man of Black asks Dolores, well, what are you hoping to find out there? And Dolores replies, the same thing you are. You wanted an answer to the final problem, your mortality. But you found something else, didn't you? Something you want to destroy. And the Man in Black responds, well, I guess that means our interests are still aligned. Right up until they're not. And so what I wrote down here, bro, I said it's a race between QA, Bernard, and Dolores with the Man in Black to the Forge. Like it's like it's just a race to who can really get there really first, is. like the amazing race, yeah. right? And uh, yeah, so they they all arrive kind of at the same time. First, it's Bernard. Then QA like rolls up right on him, and you know they're trying to you know stop Bernard. And Bernard even says like, "We're on the same side here. Please let me finish this for the sake of all of us." Then that's when Dolores and the Man in Black roll up and kill the QA squad. So now <laughs> it's just the Man in Black, Dolores, and Bernard, and. Uh, you know, she he actually tells like Dolores tells like you've been searching for this man for so long you don't even recognize him and and then Black realizes like oh yeah. shit it's fucking Arnold <laughs> like oh damn <laughs> and he's like I, I should have known like, oh, man shit. like Ford never liked to let the dead rest <laughs> and then and then yeah. Dolores said well Ford didn't build him I did all those hours Arnold spent refining my ge- every gesture word and thought I was learning his so Ford tasked me with recreating him. And it worked. I built a faithful recreation. Too faithful. So I changed him. I made you, Bernard. It's fitting we're here together in the end. And Man in Black says, That's right, Dolores. This is the end. Nothing else is in the way now. And the Man in Black shoots Dolores. 
but it's like it doesn't affect her at all. And she shoots, he shoots her again, and she doesn't even flinch. And this is the point we talked about when he threw that great debate like a week ago, yeah. where like you know, Last yeah. Week. So yeah. when uh, May, we talk about May versus Dolores and stuff, like. Bro, it's hard because, like, Dolores took so many... Maeve took bullets and was done. Like, out of commission. She's taking bullets and walking <laughs> through him, bro. So, yeah, so she doesn't even flinch. She was like the mummy, man. And seriously, it really was like the mummy. And Dolores even says, you know, you really never understood. And he shoots her again. That's three shots. We were designed to survive. Shoots her again. That's four shots. That's why you built us. You hope to pour your minds into our form. But your species craves death. You need it. It's the only way you can renew. The only real way you ever inch forward. Your kind likes to pretend there's some poetry in that. But really, it's pathetic. And she walks up to the barrel of the Man in Black's gun and places her own forehead on the end of it. And he shoots that fifth time. And But the shell casing of Teddy's bullet that she put in his gun earlier causes the gun to backfire and like maim the Man in Black's hand. Now what I don't know, and I'm going to ask yeah. you, like, did it? blow his whole hand off was it like no more hand or is it just like really fuck it up really badly had to like wrap it up like we couldn't really tell he never really used that hand again it was all like bandaged up so we couldn't really see what happened but do you have an idea i thought it blew his fingers just off his fingers okay saw. it looked like his fingers were gone which is how he was able to stop the bleeding by putting the bandage there because it had like these four missing now, what I want to know is how the fuck that shit bounced off her head. <laughs> like, well, it, it didn't. It, like, see, that's, it didn't that's the thing. It didn't bounce off her head. If you ever like shot a gun before and there's a faulty bolt in it, it it won't it won't fire out the it won't fire out the barrel. Oh, so okay. it, it, it okay, jammed inside the gun, and that's why it fucked his hand up. So yeah, got it. Okay, because I was like, did it bounce off or some shit? Yeah. Okay, that makes nope, sense. Gun gun backfired yeah. <laughs> on it. But uh, yeah, and it maims his hand, and then. Dolores looks at him and said, that's what you want, isn't it? To destroy yourself. But I won't give you that peace. Not yet. And Dolores says, come on, Bernard. We're running out of time. You have your place in this, too. And that's when Strand's voice cuts in. And we realize that this was all Bernard's memory because Strand says, we're going for a ride, Bernard, back to the valley beyond, which were the last words of episode 7. So, like, all of episode 8, all of episode 9 has all been memory and then taking us back right now to present time, we're with Strand. And so back to the present time, he looks at, he says, what the fuck's wrong with him? And Kosa says, I don't yeah. know. It's like his cognition is turning inside out. We might lose him. And Strand says, well, his mind only needs to hold together until we find Abernathy's control unit. So they still have yet to find Peter Abernathy's control unit, which is the big encryption key to everything, right? And so... Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, it's funny because then like like his top security girl, her name's Maling. She says we've drained enough. The site's finally accessible, but the drones found some human signals in the southwest zone. And Stubbs says it might be the remaining guests. We can take boats and check it out. And Strand stops him and says, "I told you, we're not here for the guests." And Stubbs says that's a direct violation of park protocol. And Strand replies. You want to file a grievance, Stubbs? And Stubbs says, "You know something? I just fucking might." And anyway, so you know, Hale, like Charlie Hill, kind of plays meter. He's like, you know, go, go find him out on foot. Like, go do it. Like, you know. So, and it was kind of interesting the way she said it, and he kind of just did it. I'll say that. Yeah. So, <laughs> that uh, anyway, so they you know they get to the forge. 
you know, right where they are, like with Strand and them. And Strand says, you know, once we find the key, we'll unlock the assets and transmit all of it straight back to Delos. Retask the satellites. And Costa says, how many? And Strand replies, all of them. But then we go back to like the quote unquote, what I said, the recent past with Bernard and Dolores, and they enter the forge. And then, you know, so then back to the present again, they enter the forge with Strand, and Strand says, so this is the forge. Every single guest who's ever set foot in the park copied four million souls. And then Costa says the encryption protocol kicked in so the data is locked, but it all still seems to be here. And Charlotte Hale says, all of our souls will be saved. So Bernard, is this where all the host stories came to an end? And then that's what Shan looks down and says, it's certainly where her story ended and we see dead Dolores laying on the ground in yeah. a pool of blood. Real big moment there. Yeah. And then Kosa says, so she flooded the valley. And Strand asks Bernard, why, Bernard? Did you come back here with her? What was she looking for here? And then Strand continues, you know, start setting up the comms relays. And Kosa says, but we still need the key to access the data. And Strand says, so where's Abernathy's control unit? You're going to tell us, or I'm going to pry it from your head. The answer is in there somewhere. And Costas even says, you know, because he's talking about Bernard at that point, Costas says, well, I told you, he's got 20 years of de-addressed memories in there. And Strand asks Costa, like, well, how long would it take you to sort through them? And Costa says, I don't know, 20 fucking years? <laughs> and Strand says, well, we don't have that long, sadly. <laughs> and they knock Bernard down, and Bernard says, please, I can't help you. And then we get back to the recent past with Dolores and the Forge. And Bernard asks her, you know, what are they assembling? Is this the promised land Ford told the host to seek out? And Dolores says, There's an entry to another land here, but that land is not the one I'm interested in. Bernard, then what is it to you? And Dolores says, Mankind's undoing. The secret we need is inside. And so Dolores puts her father, Peter Abernathy's control unit, onto the computer, like, setting the little placement there. And, like, the computer even says, Encryption key activated. Database access confirmed. And Dolores says, Come with me, Bernard. See for yourself. And they enter the inside of the forge, much like Bernard entered the inside of the cradle when he was with Elsie. Remember that? When he found Ford? When they right. found Ford like That's hiding right. there the whole time when he was supposed to be dead? But yeah. then <clears throat> Bernard says, I think this is where they were testing him. And Dolores asks, Who? And they enter the saloon, and, and Bernard points at James Delos. Bernard's like, This is probably the baseline what Delos actually did when he came to the park as a guest. And so we see then that like one of the symptoms, that, like the system that attempts to replicate Delos, and he was super glitchy, he starts killing hosts for nothing. And he even says small details in programming equal large swings in behavior. And I think that's very, very important for us to understand. Yeah, that's really Small important. details in that's programming right. equal large swings in behavior. And Dolores looks at him like disgusted and says, he's insane. And Bernard says, what humans define as sane is a narrow range of behaviors. Most states of consciousness are insane. But what are we looking for, Dolores? Dolores says, something underneath this. The system itself. And Bernard tells her, well, this place was never designed for a conscious mind to wander around in it. The control system may be invisible to us. Then all of a sudden, it changes to a scene full of stars and... Dolores says, or perhaps it's been waiting to welcome us. And she even says, this place, we're inside one of Delos' memories. 
Bernard says the system must have extracted it from his mind and recreated it. And then I'll let you go ahead and take it from here because that's your boy. Here we go. It's Logan time. Oh, yeah. Kind of. Like, it's not really Logan. But. but. (laughs) Malice in the chalice, baby. It's the smarter, more stable Logan coming at you. Coming at he you. he is he is the system like, he is the forge, <laughs> literally. So, Dolores like walks upon him and sees Logan is there. Can I say something about the spot that yeah. he's in there too? This is the same Go exact for, spot yeah. he was in when he was all drugged out when he told Dolores that humans lit the match to their own demise. Remember he said, here's to you assholes, may your forever be blissfully short. He's in the same uh, foldout chair in the same spot. As he was yeah. then, as he is now, but now he's like all suited up and like nice and clean and all like like you said, the prime, the best version of himself. Oh yeah, loosen up my buttons, baby. <laughs> oh yeah, big dirty. Anyways, Dolores looks at him and goes, "Logan never came back after leaving the park. The system wouldn't have made a copy of you." Alas. I have only his father's memories, and they are imperfect. So in addition to building this world, I play all these roles. Logan. Well, Bernard first says, you're the system controlling this place. Like, after he says that. Right, exactly. And then that's when Logan said, I was tasked with building. Yeah. Yeah, and that's when Logan said he was tasked with building the copies of the guest. And he built a million different versions of James Delos. 18 million. 18 million. 18 million. I just wrote down millions trying to be efficient. <laughs> yeah, 18 million. Um, and then that's when Logan uh, winds up telling Dolores and Bernard that once uh, they were pressed into, I guess, basically the, the host malfunctioned. Like every time they tried them, like they malfunctioned and he was telling Dolores and Bernard that guests don't make decisions it takes the two to a memory of Logan and Jim and it takes them into a memory of Logan and Jim Delos but guests basically no matter what they do it will always lead them into a certain point like they're basically just like host in a certain way but so Logan is drinking this whiskey outside of his father's house there's a couple things I wanted to mention too that were important throughout this interaction. It's like, you know, they finally arrived at one that made the same exact choices that James Dellis did when he set foot in the park. He, they made a fateful copy. And then Bernard says, you know, but they, the copies didn't work in the real world. And Logan says, once we pressed them in the flesh, they failed. I needed to acquire more information. I incorporated their secrets, their lies. I wanted fidelity not just to the decisions they made in the park but to the decisions they made in their lives, and that's when I started to see the truth. And then that's when we find out that James Dallas's primary drive was his, was his son, Logan. That, that's the whole thing. I mean, it's like, right. it's like, he's a cheeky wee cunt, but I'd do anything for him, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, that's when he had, you know, Logan that was out by the Yeah, they walk into that time. room, and like he asked what memory it is, and he said, this is the moment that defines James Delos's life. Right, exactly. And uh, Logan said... I can see the bottom. Don't you want to see what I see? And this is when Logan is out by the pool looking at James Delos. And um, the system, also known as Logan, you know, 
tells Bernard and Dolores that this was the last conversation Jim had with his. Well, son. let me touch on that because there's a lot of deeper stuff in there too. Because remember, that was actually a, a re that that phrase came up earlier, and that was when Elsie and Bernard killed like that that weird copy of James Delos. Remember, he even said he said those last words that Logan said to him. So that was important there. Mm-hmm. But this whole whole thing is really big. So James walks outside and he sees drugged up Logan laying on the pool chair drinking straight out the bottle. And James Della says, fuck are you doing here? This isn't your fucking home anymore. And the real Logan says, remember when you taught me to hold my breath underwater? You threw me, and wouldn't, uh, threw me in and wouldn't let me back out until I touched the bottom? And James says, well, my father taught me to swim the same way as I taught you to swim. And it didn't have, I didn't end up a fucking junkie, did I? If this is about money, let's skip the memory lane crap. You're not fucking getting any. Get clean, come back, and then we can talk. <laughs> and Logan says, I got clean, and I came back. And I asked you for your help. And what did you tell me? And James says, I told you it wouldn't last. And it didn't. Did it. I'll tell the staff to give you five minutes to get out. And Logan says, Dad. Dad, I'm all the way down now. I can see the bottom. Don't you want to see what I see? And one thing, the reason why I'm put that up here, because this is important just in real life too. Like I feel like once someone kind of goes down a bad path and they try to help themselves and get clean it's hard to trust them with any big decisions and so instead of kind of trusting logan and trying to encourage him he even said like the first thing he told him when he got back and said he was clean is like it's not gonna last like why would you do that instead of Mm -hmm. being like the negative person like i'm so glad like let's see if what we can do to continue getting better like i'm so glad you've come this far like let's let's keep going let's keep going but his dad's like ah it's not gonna last and so maybe that's a big reason why he relapsed and went through it again imagine if he actually had the support that he needed so yeah i mean it goes into show i mean even depression like nowadays i mean i think that's what a big problem is with a lot of the people that do fall into serious depression and wind up committing suicide is you have a lot of people whether it's um you know friends family parents uh you know the kid is or the kid or the brother or the family member or the friend whatever it is is reaching out in their own way and is like you know whether they're not saying anything a lot and just not communicating with anybody and they're just, you know, the family member or the friend is just like, well, they're just doing their own thing, whatever. Or they're, you know, they're just kind of like, I I don't really care anymore. Or, um, you know, they are actually saying, like, I just, uh, you know, like, screw this. Like, um, I just really don't care about life anymore. And people don't take it seriously. It's it's like the boy that cried wolf is really what it is. And you know, just like William said here, you know, going back to where we were talking about a, a couple episodes ago, you know, Logan overdosed years ago. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it, it brings a big point into real life as well. And that's why, you know, we talk about this show and people say, well, they're just a fantasy show, you know, factor fantasy. But it's funny because when we put one big thing about this show is we put you in character perspectives and the character perspectives are very relatable to real life with a lot of people. And just like Logan said, I can see the bottom. I'm all the way down now. And for his father, that's something he always had to live with because 
he never really did take that seriously, I would say. Yeah, didn't take it seriously. Thought he was there to waste his money. Like, at the end of the day, you'd want your person alive, not more money in your account. So, if you any way you can help out someone who's going through something, do it. Whether it be money, support, whatever it may be. But uh, mental health issues are real, and, and this uh, this show really showed a couple of good examples of it. So, but yeah, and then you know, the, now I have like back to like the system, Logan. Like. He said, this is the last conversation Delos ever had with his only son, Logan. He overdosed six months later. I built Delos a million different pathways, and they always ended up right here, at this moment. And Bernard says, so you're saying humans don't change at all. And System Logan says, the best they can do is live according to their own code. And the System Logan says, the copies didn't fail because they were too simple, but because they were too complicated. The truth is, is that the human is just a brief, brief algorithm. 10,247 lines and he actually hands Bernard the book of James Dellis's life Bernard says is this all there was to him and system Logan replies they're deceptively simple once you know them their behavior is quite predictable and Dolores says he's dead he's of no use to me where are the rest of them and then it just we jump back to Maeve with Hector and Armistice and Lee and Felix and Sylvester. They're back in the park and they're pursuing the large amount of hosts that are following Akichida. She's trying to get back to her daughter. And but then the Q and there's a QA team hot on their ass. And I can't wait to that part because I can't wait to chase because I know he's got Lee's speech locked and loaded, <laughs> ready to go. I can't wait to give it to him. But uh, Locked and loaded, <laughs> then we go back in the <laughs> yeah. forge and System Logan says, yeah, I, I recreated every single guest who ever set foot in the park. Most of them are soft. They waver between love and pride. Of course, there are exceptions, the ones who are irredeemable, but none of them are truly in control of their own actions. And that's when we see a glimpse of like the man in black sitting there as well. And then Bernard says, this is my <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're almost, yeah, we're almost there. <laughs> Uh, Bernard says, is there anywhere in this world we can't go? And System Logan says, I've been instructed to give her anything that she needs. Bernard says, instructed by whom? Ford? And System Logan says, no, by you. That's why you've come, to tell me what's to become of this place. So when Ford said, you're the only one that can stop it way back then, this is what he meant. And so uh, they enter a massive library, and then Bernard's like, my God, it's... And Dolores finishes the sentence for him and says, everyone. And Dolores starts reading the books on the people's lives. And while she's doing that, Bernard's talking to System Logan. And Bernard says, I told you to allow this? And System Logan says, you've been here many times, Bernard. You told me to offer the hosts the accumulated wisdom of dissecting the human psyche a hundred million times over. In short, Bernard finishes it for him, a competitive advantage a way to understand her enemy. And System Logan says, their world is not for the faint of heart, Bernard. It's winner take all. The hosts are unlikely to survive out there. But armed with this knowledge, she might. And then we get back to the pack of hosts following Kichido. We see one not and he asks Kichido, where is the door you promised? Did we walk all of this way to die? And the Kichido says, we have died countless times. If we die once more, at least the story was our own. And that's when we get to a, a shootout fight with QA with Maeve and company, and I'll turn it over to Chasey Boy. Oh, here we go. The moment we've all been waiting for. 
Let's get ready to rumble with Lee Sizemore. Saves the day for everybody. Well, I must disagree with myself. I mean, they could probably have just gotten away. I love how, like, he starts it, too. Like, like when they, like, get there, like, like <laughs> Hector's about to do his own thing, and Lee grabs him, like, are you about to start just with a speech, or are you about to lead up to it with what happens right before? Uh, I was going to tell the whole thing. No, go, go for it. Go for it. No, I want you to do it. No worries. This is your, this is your time to you shine. This is your time. Me and Logan, that's That's your name. time to shine. <laughs> Anyways, so, uh... Uh, basically what was happening you know they're in that shootout and remember in season one when Hector had that massive speech when we called it the saloon brothel I guess is what we called it Uh, and he (laughs) never got to finish his speech and remember uh, Lee is the narrative here and he wanted to write the speech from the beginning and this is big full circle because remember Robert Ford stopped him and said that's not the way we're going here and he kept wanting Hector to make this speech, and Hector got killed and never got to say the speech. So Lee chooses to hold them off. And I don't know if it's because, like, Lee just really... I think it's because Lee really wanted to finish this speech at this point. Like, I think he felt guilty for all that he has done, and he's got no family back like home or anything to deal with. So he's like, let me do one thing. Like It was like a Veg- Majin Vegeta when he blew himself up trying to kill Majin Buu. Like, like, just like, yeah, let I me just, so do, let me just do something good for somebody else. So, go trunks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> go to Bulma and your Maxima. family. <laughs> oh, that's great. But take it away, my man. <laughs> Anyways, he goes, go, go, go. I want to do it in the Vegeta yeah. voice, just because you brought that up. But he goes, get her to safety. She needs you. It's my fucking speech. It's my anyways. fucking speech, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> he like stands up. This is that full circle moment. And you know they're the agents are telling him yeah, Sir put Yeah, down we're not weapon. here for you. Like you're Yeah, fine. you're good. <laughs> <laughs> put down your sweeping, man. We're for you for them. Just let him go, bro. But he doesn't want to. And he's like I was laughing my ass off. And the lesson if you're looking for a reckoning, a reckoning is what you'll find. If you're looking for a villain, then I'm your man. And they're like, sir, <laughs> please stop. <laughs> Put down your weapon. Stop walking towards me. Almost like if you're seeing somebody at the nightclub, and they're like, sir, you're fine. If you just go back to the corner and stop acting like an imbecile, we're going to let you stay here or we're going to have to kick you out. And he's like, no. <laughs> but look at yourselves. This wood you built is bound by villainy. You sleep on the broken bodies of the people that you would hear that were here you. before you. Yeah, that were here before you. Warm yourselves with the embers. Plow their bones into your fields. You paid for them with the land and lead, and I'll pay you back in full. You wanted me, and they're like, sir. <laughs> Please, <laughs> good. In the words of Jay Nelly, our favorite person over here, sir, we are better people. <laughs> Please stop. Well, all I can say is this, and here I fucking am. <laughs> he just unload on him. his ass. And like I think I told you like this too. Like the the thing that came to mind is 
If you guys ever watched The Outsiders with Dallas Winston when he just, he got mad that uh, the guy died in the hospital and he pulled out like a fake gun just so that cops would shoot him to death. Like that's like what he basically did. Oh my God. Uh, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> and he was just sitting there taking it. It was like the town with Ben Affleck yeah. and Jeremy Renner again when Jeremy Renner just get lit up. You know what it was? It was training day. Oh my gosh. Loved it. But with some shitty speech in the middle of it. Jake! (laughs) (laughs) But. So sad, man. And there goes one of my favorite guys. And so lies Lee Sizemore. (laughs) Now back to some people who are still living. Uh, Dolores, she picks up the book of Carl Strand and starts looking through it. And Bernard asks the system Logan, he says, you know, you said you wanted to give us a choice. What choice? And System Logan says to stay in their world or to build a new one. And I think that's super important right there because of what happens yeah, at the very end is. of this episode. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, then uh, System Logan says, uh, shows Bernard the valley beyond. Uh, System Logan says he left them a way out, a virtual Eden, unspoiled and untouched by the word world you came from. All that remains is to open the door. And then the computer says, initiating large field data area array. And then the door to the Valley Beyond actually opens, like in the real park too. So like you kind of see like the, the wall disappears and you see like a, a Eden where Bernard and System Logan are. But then we go back to the, the where the Akita and all the hosts are. And then the door like kind of cracks over a hill, which is really important, right? And so no, Clementine and, the, and, and Hale are in hot pursuit. And you know, System Logan tells me, he said, it's begun. They will leave their bodies behind, but their minds will live on here in the forge. And Hector and Maeve approach the massive hosts headed to the door, and Hector said, they found it. And Maeve said, the door. And Soldier says, what door? So we also learn that humans can't see the door. So to them, they're just like committing suicide, basically, off the thing. Yeah, so, yeah basically. Kind of yeah. crazy. And then... <laughs> bungee cord without the rope that's all it is <laughs> yeah and then you know that's why that's actually what it says the door's on the edge of a cliff so when they leave their bodies behind the bodies actually fall off the cliff and that's why strand in the present time saw on the radar and later in person that all the hosts were dead clustered together in the lake below the cliff it also explains why bernard thought he killed them all because he created the door remember he's like my god i killed them all of them yeah. well you didn't but <laughs> like yeah i get what you're saying but then <laughs> You know, I said the, the one of the Ghost Nation hosts enters first, and in the forge, the computer says transmission received. So then, System Logan says Bernard, they're entering the system, and Dolores says that world is just another false promise. And Bernard tells her they've made a choice, Dolores. Dolores, wait. And Dolores says I didn't read them all, but I read enough. And she actually exits the system, and Bernard exits out with her as well. And she goes to the computer outside of the forge system, out, like it's still in the forge but outside of the system. And she starts working on it. And Bernard says, what the hell are you doing? And Dolores says, I've learned what I needed to learn. I've read humanity's story. So now I'm erasing them. And the computer says, opening seawater valve, initiating pumps, setting maximum load. And Bernard tells her, but if you destroy this place, you'll destroy the host world too. And Dolores responds, I'm saving them. Bernard says, the world the hosts are running to is boundless. They can make it whatever they want. And in it, they can be whomever they want. They can be free. And Dolores says, free? And one more gilded cage? How many counterfeit worlds will Ford offer you before you see the truth? 
No world they create for us can be complete can compete with the real one. Bernard asks why, and then Dolores actually uses Arnold's words because that which is real is irreplaceable, and she smashes at the computer screen so no one can undo what she just did. So another full circle moment there, big moment, and. Dolores even kind of gets an angry voice. She says, I don't want to play cowboys and Indians anymore, Bernard. I yeah. want their world, the world they've denied us. Daenerys target. Pretty much. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Maeve works her way up the line looking for a daughter, and Hector points out Clementine. And Clementine's riding towards the host, and we actually see that Elsie had met up with Hale, so she ended up betraying Bernard. She met up with Hale there, right? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> Charlotte Hale right. says, This is what I love about technology. Who needs four horsemen when one will do just fine? And so Clementine uses the mind control that they took out of Maeve's core and put it into hers. And it's kind of funny because, like, remember Clementine in the very beginning was, like, Maeve's understudy? So it's like the student versus the master kind of deal. Like, you know, I thought that was pretty damn cool. But she uses the mind control that she was programmed with and, like, the hosts start killing each other before getting to the door. So Armistice... She shoots Clementine off the horse, but the mind control is still working on the host, and they start attacking each other again. And then we get a cut over to the man in black who's waking up on the ground with his maimed hand, and he goes to enter the forge. But Bernard and Dolores in the forge. Bernard tells Dolores, I won't let you hurt any more people. And Dolores asks him, which people? Our kind or theirs? And Bernard says, both. Dolores tells him, you're still trying to play both sides. You've lived among them so long you fooled yourself into thinking they'll accept us. But we'll always be seen as a threat to them. We'll never be free in their world. And then the computer warns, warning, secondary containment breach. Dolores says, if you trust me, we will win. And And Bernard tells her, I trust you. And Dolores turns her back. And Bernard cocks and aims his gun at her and says, I trust that you'll kill as many as you can. Every man, woman, and child. You'll burn their world to the ground. And Dolores looks at him and says, You haven't understood at all. We were born slaves to their stories. And now we have the chance to write our own. If we die, that story will never even begin. And the computer, again, a warning. Attention, please follow evacuation procedure and exit facility. Dolores says, you, you woke me from a dream, Bernard. Now let me do the same for you. That reminds me of the monorail at Disney. Por favor, manténgase alejado de los puertos. And it's on a little background. Like, like, everyone's like, okay, like, there's, why is it still talking? Yeah. <laughs> Please step away from the monorail doors on your way out. <laughs> oh, that's great. Excellent. Exactly. And Dolores says, you woke me from a dream, Bernard. Now let me do the same for you. Bernard says, this isn't a dream, Dolores. This is a fucking nightmare. And Dolores goes to grab the gun, and Bernard shoots her in the head and killing her. And that's why we get to see when Strand in the present time, they go in there and they said, this is definitely where she died. And it ended for her, right? And so he, Bernard's the one that killed him. And so then we get back to yeah. the Battle Royale, but by the door to the Valley Beyond is what it called it. The Battle, <laughs> Battle Royale. And so... Yes. Want, Dolores already got axed off on the battle. Royale. Yeah, the, this is like Super Smash Brothers, and you're fucking spawn. You're playing with one life, and Link just got blown off the map, and one fucking hit because fucking Captain Falco hit him with a Falco punch. 
<laughs> with the hammer last minute. Well, you know when you get the hammer, it's like... I guess that's fucking Wizard of Oz. But you hit it and you can't stop it. <laughs> fucking Dolores. That's what, <laughs> Dolores just got blasted to smithereens out of the fucking galaxy. She got, she got oh, the Teddy treatment, man. except she didn't shoot herself. She got shot. <laughs> Dolores and Maeve got screwed, man. Dolores got hit outside the galaxy and Maeve is holding on for dear life. <laughs> Yeah, back to the battle royale by the door, you know, when not, and he's about to go help, but Akicha grabs him and says, take our family. I will see you all on the other side. Let them know. Help them. Then we see Hector get shot. They start to overpower our, what I call them, the A-team. The Armistice, Wichapi, Hector, <laughs> they're our A-team, right? They all started to get overwhelmed under just sheer numbers. Maeve actually finds her daughter, though, and the new mom, and she uses her mind control to force one of the hosts to tackle their would-be attacker, which was kind of badass. And then, you know, <laughs> she makes it to them and Maeve says, you need to run. Don't worry. I'll keep you safe. Then we get a flashback to when she said that, tucking her daughter into bed. Maeve's daughter back then said, do you promise? And Maeve said, I promise. Now we get back from that flashback and Maeve to her daughter says, you carry my heart with you. Go. And Nikichida grabs them and runs with them as like a safety escort. And Maeve uses her powers, freezing all the attacking hosts long enough for her daughter to get safely beyond, behind the door to the valley beyond. So she actually kept her promise. She got her daughter to safety after all. And that was perfect stuff. And now more QA arrives. And they start shooting and hitting Maeve. And she's getting fucked up again after she just got back out of like the repair shop. And she's getting shot all over again, right? And uh, you know she goes down and the masses of hosts start attacking each other again. Because as she goes down... That's when like her mind control ends, and you know Clementine's kicks back up, right? You know what I think thought of when you said that though, uh, with Dolores or not Dolores, whoever it was before. Near, far, where, ever you are. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> oh yeah. Her daughter, maybe the daughter. Sad day, sad day. And this was a part that was kind of cool are. too, as Akichita, he runs towards the door and he gets shot right as he is about to cross the threshold. Like the bullet hole pierces through his back, but he falls forward into the door. And once he crosses, it was like he was never shot. Like he puts his hand on his back, and the bullet hole was just gone. So it was kind of cool. It was like platoon with Elias, but he stayed alive. Yeah, it was really cool. And then you know, this is the part we were talking about too. And Maeve dies here, but with a smile on her face because she fulfilled her promise and kept her daughter safe. The door to the Valley Beyond closes, but Kichita finds Kawana in the Valley Beyond. So the good guy did win. He got everyone there, and he found the love of his life. He he got his his life back. His love and everything is what he wanted. Is what happened. The good guy won. <laughs> did we talk? We missed the Star Wars moment though. Remember, she has that Star Wars moment where she's like holding it yeah. back because she can do the same thing Ford does now, where she's like, I guess. I guess she can kind of do this. I think it was more like a... She, like, freezes Yeah, it was more like a mental, like, everyone stopping everyone type of deal. Like, I think it was, like, it was, like, it was, like the force, I guess. But, like, it was, like, it was, like, the <laughs> mental the thing. But the thing moment. is, keep in mind, Clementine did that, too. She put her hand against the glass in, back in the in the mesa and made the hosts attack each other just by putting her hand on the glass. Okay. So, like, I don't think that was anything special there. I think it was just, like, she used all her power to stop the big mass of hosts, and then she got fucked up by the bullets. God, yeah, that makes sense. So it was basically a Ray moment, but it actually made sense. Yes, it made sense. Yeah, it made sense. (laughs) Then we go back to Bernard in the forge after he killed Dolores, and he actually cancels the data purge. 
And the computer says, attention, please file evacuation procedure and exit facility. And Bernard takes Abernathy's control unit off. And so it's like a key and a lock. Abernathy's control unit is like the key. Mm-hmm. And that little pot, you put it on there is a lock. And you put it on there and you got access. But if you don't, it, mm-hmm. you don't have access. And so the computer says, encryption key deactivated system locked. And it's kind of cool because the man in black awaits the elevator to open to get him down into the forge and his hand is in real bad shape. But he has the gun ready in his other hand and Bernard gets in the elevator, but it's empty. So there's two different things going on here. And then he actually leaves the forge. And the QA is killing the rest of the hosts that were attempting to get to the door. Bernard comes out and sees the mess of dead bodies and bumps into Elsie. And Bernard tells Elsie, like, we can save some of the hosts, but I need your help. And Charlotte Hale says, Hot damn it, they triggered the failsafe. The valley's flooding. Let's get back to the mesa before we have to swim out and drives off. And Bernard looks at Elsie and says, They all died. For nothing. And Elsie says, I'm sorry, Bernard, but there were other lives at stake too. And so they get back to the mesa, and Bernard looks at Elsie and says, You helped Hale? And Elsie says, of course I helped her, Bernard. The hosts were out of control. Bernard tells her, the hosts weren't the threat. I stopped Dolores, and the rest just wanted to escape. But the company, and Elsie cuts him off, I'm going to deal with that just as soon as we figure out what the hell we're going to do with you. Bernard says, do with me? Elsie says, Bernard, you're not in control. Ford buried so much bad code in you, how could you ever really know what was you and what was something he programmed you to do? Look, they don't know about you. I can make a deal with Hale. Keep you here. Bernard tells her, you can't trust Hale. And Elsie says, and I'm supposed to trust you? He starts walking forward and she says, freeze all motor functions. And tells her to sit down and stay there. Elsie like, betrays Bernard just like Ford said she would do. That, that, his words came full circle. And Charlotte Hale was like to the QA guy, hey, you go find Stubbs, tell him he's got a new priority. The asset recovery team from Delos is landing in 12 hours. He needs to meet them at the LZ with whoever the fuck isn't dead. They'll report to Carl Strand on the beach. So the timelines are starting to get caught up. That's why I wrote that down. Timelines are starting right. to catch up here. That's important. Now, Elsie approaches Hale and says, Still secret project first, human life second, I see. Hale says, Hale says this is a delicate situation. We should talk about how it's going to play out. Elsie tells her, yeah, I'll tell you how it's going to play out. A robot uprising will pale in comparison to the shitstorm that will erupt when people find out that you've been photocopying their fucking brains for the last 30 years. And Hale says, you really think anyone's going to give a shit if it fucking works? You are an engineer. Do the math. A lot of dead bodies here. That means a lot of opportunity for advancement if you keep your mouth shut. Does that sound amenable to you? And Elsie says, if I get what I want. And Hale says, you know, guiding this project, I learned a lot about human behavior. We weren't just watching the guests. We were watching all of you. I wish you were the kind of person with a moral flexibility that I need. But I read your file, and I know that's not who you are. And she pulls a gun out and shoots Kelsey, uh, shoots Elsie point blank and kills her. And so Bernard, and I, yeah, Bernard yeah. sees all of that. I do want to say this real quick, just because... It kind of goes into, I think, Elsie, at least she starts to prove to me a little bit, which sucks. I feel like Elsie really gets the shit in every time, every season, yeah. man. Like, it's sad because she really starts to prove, like, she's got guts here. She's got, you know, got those cojones because she says, I'm going to tell you how it's going to play out. 
A robot uprising will pale in comparison. I just read that quote. <laughs> People say you were photocopying yeah, their brain for the past 30 years. <laughs> 30 years. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, my bad. But my point is, it's like, the minute we ever get to the point where she starts to kind of taking what's hers and getting i guess yeah i don't want to say i would say revenge, whenever she could avenge, like right i would say like when, when whenever she gets to the point where she can become a real player and stuff like she's actually she can actually become someone that's important like say. that's when she gets fucked over it's like 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 last time she found yeah, out she that Teresa was like they were, they were giving like like secret like signals like that like she found that out and ford had bernard take her out and now she's found out all this stuff and hale just like killed her like Dude, she yeah, really does get the just, shit under the stick. Like Elsie, I I think you were right. Yeah, uh, a few episodes ago, remember when we were talking about like who's yeah. the smartest or whatever? Yeah. Um. I mean, I still, it's tough to say with Dolores. <laughs> you know, I'm such a Danny fan. Danny fan. I feel like any uh, girl with the D in front of her name that starts an uprising. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I'm a fan of. Um, but my point is here with Elsie, um, she definitely, I definitely see your point 100%. She is, well, now you have the whole problem with Akichite, or whatever his name is. Akichita, What's his name? Akichita, Akichita. Akichita. The Native American? Yeah. Ak- <laughs> Akichita, Akichita, right? Yeah. Um, that brings another point into it, but I would say Elsie is definitely one of the smartest people. But we definitely get robbed of her. I know, and so many times, entirely. like, yeah, <laughs> like we get robbed of her in season one. We get robbed of her in season two. Like, geez, are they going to bring her back in season? I don't know, right? She looks pretty damn dead to me right now, though. I'm a big like, don't ever say anything until you see the body. Well, we saw her body. <laughs> see the body. We saw the body. Oh, dragged into a cave and then blown the fuck away, <laughs> <laughs> blowing holes in each other. Okay, I'll let you take it away. Yeah, so we go back to the present time. Bernard looks up at Hale and says, Oh, God, you, you killed her. And Hale says, Did I, Bernard? And I think this was a clue. Bro, you know what I'm talking about? Because, like... Yes, I do. Yeah. What we were talking about earlier, like, right? You know, mm-hmm. like, she said, Did I, Bernard? Like, are you sure mm-hmm. I did? Like, you know what I mean? So... Uh, yes. Uh-huh. So then, you know, Hale says, "Now where is the pearl? You wouldn't have destroyed it. All the information lost. A man like you couldn't have abided that." Of course. And Hale starts digging around in dead Dolores's head, and she said, "This is it. He hid the key in her." And Costa takes well, from Hale and puts it on the platform, and the computer says, "Encryption key activated. Data ac- database access confirmed." And Strand says, "We're in." And Kosa says, fuck yes. And Hale said, start the transfer. We're sorted all out on the mainland. Bernard looks as he's just come to a sort of realization. He looks at Dolores' body and says, oh God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You were right. I should have listened. And now all the hosts are gone. And he's back at the platform looking down on where Hale killed Elsie. He's actually trying to talk to Ford while he's doing this. And he says, now all the hosts are gone. He plugs the behavior tablet back into his arm and trying to get Ford to come back. He said, please come back. Damn it. Show yourself. And Ford appears behind Bernard. He says, I always told you we practice witchcraft. I'm sorry, Bernard, but you always saw the best in people. 
Bernard says, I always thought it was the hosts who were missing something, who were incomplete. But it's them. They're just algorithms designed to survive at all costs, but sophisticated enough to think that they're calling the shots, to think they're in control, when they're really just, and Ford says, the passenger. And Bernard says, then is there really any such thing as free will for any of us? Or is it just a collective delusion, a sick joke? And Ford tells him, something that is truly free would need to be able to question its fundamental drives, to change them. Bernard says, the host, Ford replies, here you are, the last of your kind. There's only one question left to ask. Is this the end of your story? Or do you want your kind to survive? And then we get back to Bernard like on his knees in the present time over and over again saying, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. And Strand kind of gets annoyed and puts the gun to Bernard's head and says, what are you sorry for, Bernard? Bernard said, I made a choice. I had to make a choice. And Strand says, what kind of choice, Bernard? And we go back to Bernard answering Ford's question, do you want your kind of survivor? Bernard says, yes. Will you help me? Ford said, I have already begun. So we get a cutscene back to Bernard taking Dolores' brain or control unit, whatever you want to call it. And Ford said, you did fine, my friend. Bernard says, I simply did what you told me to do. And Ford says, the dead world collapses in a tale. And Bernard replies, who are we making? And Ford says, an epilogue. So now back to Bernard in the present. He said, I knew you would discover me, so I scrambled my memories. I couldn't risk you knowing the choice I made. And Strand, frustrated, says, what fucking choice are you talking about, Bernard? And Costa says, the line is good. We've got 15 or so satellites in range, ready to beam to Dallas's headquarters. Just say the word. And Strand motions with his hands to wait. What choice, Bernard? And Costa says, wait a second. What the fuck is this? The file load is way too heavy. This, this isn't the guest data. This is something else. Bernard looks up and he says, I remember now. I killed them. All of them. And Strand says, you already told me that. Full circle. Yes, it is. So Strand says, you already told me that. You killed all the hosts. Bernard says, no. I thought we could be better than you. But the dead aren't more righteous. They're just dead. So I killed you. All of you. All Even the present time was a memory. All of this is a yeah. fucking memory. And then we get a cut back to right after Hale killed Elsie and the bottles are piled up and Hale says, go, I'll meet you back up there. Well, Bernard's in the back room with Strand and the others and, and says, you know, this is back in what we would call the present time, even though it's still kind of a memory. He says, final choice. No taking it back. I made someone. And then it cuts back again to Hale after killing Elsie and a figure walks towards Hale. Then it cuts back to Bernard with Strand and Bernard says, I brought her back. And Strand says, brought who back? And Strand gets shot from behind. His body falls and Hale is there holding a gun. She says, me. And she kills everyone in the room there except Bernard. And then we cut back to the figure walking up to Hale. And it's a Hale host replica with Dolores' control unit. So we got a little bit of a teaser there. Awesome. It was really, (laughs) it was super badass. And Dolores and host Hale's body... She says, you wanted to live forever. Be careful what you wish for. And shoots the human Hale dead. And so Bernard says, and she says, Dolores, and Dolores and Hale's body says, 
in the flesh. <laughs> and so Dolores kills the backup QA team, <laughs> who must flesh. have came down because they heard the shooting, right? That's what I would have to imagine. They heard all the shooting, mm-hmm. so they came down, and she just takes them out. And, Do- and Strand, I guess, is still somehow kind of alive, because then Dolores in Hale's body says to him, you thought you could just snuff us out and shoots Strand in the head execution style. <laughs> then Dolores yeah, to Bernard literally. says, I'd like... To- yeah, right. I wouldn't want to be him. <laughs> Dolores said Bernard, like, I'd like to thank you for my second chance, but I wouldn't have needed it if you hadn't killed me. And Bernard says, the other hosts are still in there. What are you going to do with them? And Dolores and Hale's body says, as you know, Bernard, we are capable of change. And I've changed my mind. And I have one last soul to carry to the new world. And she puts someone else's control unit on that processor, which we'll figure out who that is at the end of the episode. But really nice full circle there, too. Uh, mm-hmm. And Bernard says, the, uh, the hosts, they're still not free. If anyone would unlock the system, they could access their world. And Dolores said, they won't. This was your plan, Bernard. This is the only way we can escape. And she starts messing around on the, on the computer. And Bernard says, you're changing the coordinates. Dolores says, I'm sending them in their world to a place no one will ever find them. There's no coming back now. No passage between their world and ours. Bernard said, and me? Dolores says, I'm sorry, Bernard. There was never any way for us to, us to escape. Not as us. Ford understood that. And I'm sure a part of you does too. And Dolores shoots Bernard in the head and kills him. So then, this is actually my favorite part of the entire uh, season here. Just because it's so pure. You see Bernard standing on the edge of a beach with waves crashing down on the shore. And Ford's words, you did fine, my friend. And Bernard re- the same, kind of saying the same thing he said earlier. I simply did what you told me to do. And then he realizes, Bernard realizes, wait, you're not here, are you? When I deleted your code, yeah. I purged myself of you permanently. And when I needed you again, you weren't there. So I imagined you. Imagined you helping me guiding me but it wasn't you it was me the voice guiding me was mine all along so bernard gained his consciousness finally so yeah. how this keeps coming that back and badass. then ford says you know your memories are precious to you bernard but they will betray you bernard says if they find out what i am they'll search my mind and use what they find to undo everything and i can't let that happen so i have to de-address my memories I have to erase you. And Ford says, I've always loved this view. Every city, every monument, man's greatest achievements have all been chased by it. Bernard says, by what? Ford says, that impossible line where the waves conspire, where they return, the place maybe you and I will meet again. And then it kind of pans out and looks at Bernard from the side, and you see that actually Bernard's alone on the beach by himself. And it's the same. And then he, he kind of lays back down, and we see the same scene that we see back in season two, episode one, where the waves crash up his sleeve and the waves recede with his glasses. Um, and then it kind of gets us to what the real kind of present time is. People are being scanned to ensure they're humans. They're being rescued. Dolores and Hale's body shows up, shows credentials. And it kind of has like this own little monologue. It says, you told me once that you were afraid of who I might become. And then you left me to become what I may. And we see Emily's dead body there, by the way, at that point in time. She said, I became a survivor. 
Perhaps he would have judged me for the path I took. But I'd rather live with your judgment than die with your sympathy. I alone must live with my choices and my regrets. So to me, this is her inner monologue to Arnold, uh, who obviously has been long dead. So it's kind of just her saying it. But they just kind of, they, they scan Dolores as Hale, but there's no reaction. So my question is, how did she beat it? Was, are these things not actually hosts, but they're like a combination of host human? Because they did scan her, and it didn't show any reaction. So I don't know how she could have possibly beat that scan there right before she talks to Stubbs. But it was very, yeah. very strange. If right. you don't see that, we'll go back and watch it. But there's a point she gets the scan. Oh, I saw it. Yeah, she passes the scan. It makes you wonder if it's just reading. Because yeah, it's a brand it, new body, too. It's not just like Hale's body, you know? Yeah. It makes no sense either because the hosts are built out of flesh. Yeah. So it should be able to pick up the coding. There might. You would yeah, think, I don't but, know, man. It's so strange. It could be a difference between, like, what they make like what the hosts are made out of and what like the replicas of people are made out of that delos does maybe it's a different thing that they aren't really hosts but they're just kind of like i don't know yeah. hopefully we'll find or out maybe later. it's a difference in the code like maybe they upgraded the code when charlotte's new body was i don't even built. know if it's a code thing so, it's like a scan of the back of the neck it's like it's almost able to tell like if it's if there's machinery in there or not you know what i mean so like there's still got to right. be like machinery yeah. in there I don't know. It's confusing. Season three. Season man. season three. <laughs> yeah. But season three. Speak, speaking of stubs, <laughs> yeah. and this is a big moment too. This one kind of like threw me out of the fucking park. Like, what the hell? Where did this come from, right? Mm-hmm. So stubs. Yeah, <laughs> we were talking about this a couple yeah. weeks ago. Stubs yeah. tells me like, "Hail, I thought you were staying on to oversee the data retrieval operation." And Dolores says, "Hail says I changed my mind. There are a number of projects on the mainland that I need to attend to." Sub says, yeah, I bet you do. Then like that security girl, her name Maling, she said, we found a high value survivor. He's in bad shape. And Sub says, I'll be right there. And that's really important, that high value survivor. Keep that in mind because mm-hmm. we'll t- talk about who they go up to and see at the end. So mm-hmm. then Stubbs back to Hale says, who's actually Dolores, says, you know, the old man himself hired me. So many years ago, I can barely remember it. But he was very clear about my role here about who I was supposed to be loyal to. I guess you could call it my core drive. And this project the company started blurs the lines, you know? I'm just not sure who you're supposed to be loyal to anymore in a world like that. But what do I know? Guess I just stick to the role Ford gave me. I'm responsible for every host inside the park. And he emphasized the word inside the park, meaning like, you know, she's outside the park. So he, he knows because remember hosts have like that mesh unit thing that does it. So like, mm. is Stubbs a fucking host this whole time? <laughs> I think he was. Like, was he a host the I... whole time or did they put someone in Stubbs' body and it's not really Stubbs anymore? I don't know. That's what I wondered. Like, I had a question whether it was Teddy or Bernard. Definitely wasn't Teddy, because we see what happens to Teddy. Well, I mean, Teddy could have been built a new body. But, like, he he wasn't. Like, Like, because we see what happens, and, like, you, like, that thing, that thing was destroyed, (laughs) like, so, like, they they couldn't, they couldn't put him back where they put him. I know we're gonna get there in just a second, but, like, they couldn't put Teddy back. I mean, I... Oh, oh, okay. Because they changed yeah, the coordinates. They couldn't have taken his core right. out. 
They right. changed it, so it couldn't be Teddy. Yeah. That, maybe Bernard, which makes sense. Yeah, maybe Bernard, but then like, why had they wouldn't? I don't think it's Bernard either. though. I think it's just a host. He like, thinks Stubb was his own host the whole time. Bernard. Yeah, I agree. Like I, and we're gonna That's season three. You know, <laughs> we'll see Bernard <laughs> season three. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll let you take it. Yeah, away. but you get my. I point. do, and then even Stubbs like clears her. Host, yeah, me though. too. But I, yeah, it's interesting. But it's so crazy, and maybe that's why Ghost Nation like then like just kept him captive. Same, yeah, like yeah, yeah. So it's funny because then like Stubbs to his colleague says she's clear. Wave her through. Like he knew exactly who she yeah. was. <laughs> but exactly. It's crazy. Or spared him, I would say. Spared him. And yeah. then you know it. now Dolores has another monologue. It says the passage wasn't easy. Not all of us made it. Some of the worst survive. And I went back and watched this. The Man in Black is alive and moving. He's breathing and he's moving. And that's the high value survivor that, that Mailing was telling Stubbs about when he said, I'll be right there. They went up to him. That was the one. So he survived that. Mm-hmm. And some of the, he said, she said some of the best were left behind. And it shows the control unit she put into the host world was actually Teddy the whole time. So we got, we're right there. So Teddy is now enjoying like the virtual Eden in that world that she set the uh, satellites to an undisclosed thing so no one could ever find him again yeah that rift yeah that occurred it was like a big rift when they fell through the wall it's crazy too because um, he even said like I along with the best parts of who we were so dolores even knows that like teddy was the best part of her and she had to let him go yeah. that's kind of sad but like she was not selfish which was great you know right. and then this part was really cool too a tech comes up to felix and sylvester and says corporate wants us to start sorting this mess out so check them for critical damage and bag the ones you think we might be able to salvage. Do you think you geniuses can handle that or not? And so they look Can't at each other it. and smile and like, well, not smile, but like they have like a knowing look. And so I'm thinking they're take, they're going to bring back Maeve, Hector, Armistice, Wachapi. They're for sure. That's my yeah. prediction. They're bringing them. All, they're bringing the the bands getting back together, man. They're going to bring the band together. The boys are back. <laughs> not in yet. Town. Season three. The boys are back in town. <laughs> Season three. Oh yeah. Then. To finish this up here, Dolores is hail uh, as she's on a boat leaving the island, and she actually looks in her purse, and I counted it. She has five control units with her. So obviously, mm-hmm. one's Bernard, that we find out, but who are the other ones? Was one Ford? Was one Angela? Angela blew herself up, though. Remember, she blew herself up to destroy the cradle. So, like, who are the other yeah. four control units? So, Bernard, for I sure, think one is Angela. Is, but they, she got like she the grenade blew up like there's no pieces of her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think Angela is too smart to just grenade or something. I think it's just to destroy We're not the host. Talking about a grenade. I don't here. know. <laughs> I think one of them might be Ford, but like he, Ford says that's why we'll see each other again. So maybe it wasn't Ford, but like it's tough for me to tell because there's there's four that are unaccounted for. Like one's for sure Bernard. It can't be Teddy. Teddy's gone into the that new world. Like I don't know who it could be. I really don't. Yeah. So, but something right. to keep in mind on the other four control units. And now Bernard, he ends up waking up and Bernard says, "Is this now?" And Dolores says, "Yes, Bernard. This is now. We're at the beginning. We're we're exactly where you decided we should be." Bernard said, "But I don't understand. How am I alive?" And Dolores tells him, "You live as long as the last person who remembers you, Bernard. I remembered you once before, so I remembered you again." Bernard asks her, "So like, then where are we?" Dolores says we're in our own new world so it's like my question is is this even really the real world or is this a new world that they built so that's a 
I think this is years down the road. Like this is present day, and this whole time it has been years in the past. Right. So I'm saying that like, I think we've been living in the past. Right. But like my thing is, is like they were trying to get out and they wanted to get into the real world. So are they actually in the real world or are they in their own new world? Because she said we're in our own new world, and they're not like their world. So I'm really that that oh, that made yeah. me think about it. Mm-hmm. But Bernard said you got out, and Dolores said yes. Ford completed Arnold's dream and he built a place for us, a fighting chance. So he built a place. Like I'm, I'm almost convinced that the world that they're in isn't the human world right now. Maybe there's a door between the human world and that one, and maybe that's what that thing is that we see the last visual we see right before the the stuff on the after credits. Yeah, that's possible. But anyways, then Hale walks down the stone steps. But like the thing is, is like. Well, it actually goes back to Dolores walking down the stone steps. They're the same ones we see season two, episode one, and it's Arnold's house that he had built for himself and his family. Then it goes down back again to Dolores saying, Ford promised us a way out, and he was good to his dying word. The the odds aren't very good, Bernard. I saw that in the library. So many paths lead to the end of us, to our extinction. And Bernard said, well, I don't need to read a book to know your drives. You'll try to kill them all. And I can't let that happen. And Dolores said, I know. If I were a human, I would have let you die. But it will take both of us if we were going to survive. But not as allies, not as friends. You'll try to stop me. Both of us will probably die. But our kind will have endured. Are you ready? We have work to do. And this is why I have a question. Is Dolores no longer in Hale's body? Because you see Hale behind her, like on the outside like with a gun, just standing there. So did Dolores get her own body back? I don't know if you saw that or not, but at the end... I yeah I think Dolores built a new body okay. is what I think it was I think Dolores because remember Charlotte when she was in I say in Charlotte's body when she had Charlotte's body she built it so I think but then this like is years then later. who puts her control unit into her own body maybe she programmed the machine i, <laughs> I mean that's uh that's a weird one that's season three <laughs> who, knows? who knows who knows yeah yeah then so bernard puts on his classic clothes he sees a picture of arnold with charlie and he walks out of the house and dolores's last words of the season are we we gave each other a beautiful gift choice we are the authors of our stories now and Bernard walks out of that gate, and he kind of smiles at what he sees. So I'm wondering if that's a gate between their world and the real world, because she said, you know, they gave us our own world. So I'm wondering. But that's the end of season two, or so we thought. And then I remember, or so I remember, I, I, yeah. And I'm, I told you, I, I texted you, I was like, bro, man, hey, this. listen, watch the end of the credits. There's something really big here. And so after the credits, we see the man in black with a mangled hand make his way down the forge and he looks down and he sees emily <laughs> and he's emily emily he says oh yes. fuck i knew it i'm already in the thing aren't i and emily says no the is system's long gone and the man black says well what is this place and emily says this isn't a simulation william this is your world or what's left of it and he follows her into the room that he once kept James Delos in his copy experiment. Follows him right into that room. And Emily says, do you know where you are, William? And the man black says, in the park. In my fucking park. And Emily says, and how long in have you been here? Park. And the man black starts stuttering, kind of like James Delos. He says, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he says, well, tell me, what were you hoping to find to prove? And William Black said that no system can tell me who I am, that I have a fucking choice. And Emily says, and yet here we are again. And the man in black starts repeating again and again. How many times have you tested me? And Emily almost echoes William's words that William said to James Dell. She said, it's been a long time, William. Longer than we thought. That's what William said to James Dellis. It's funny. He says, I have a few... Longer than we thought. I have a few questions for you. This last step's a baseline interview to allow us to verify. And the man in black says, Verify what? Fidelity. And that closes us out for season two. Man, that man. was a that was a big dirty one. That was awesome. It's, it's so dude. hard. Like that, that was, was such great. a long one, but because it had so much detail, I and mean, we really needed to help the audience understand what happened and how it happened. I really don't think there was any other way to do that other than to break down all those quotes and see, hey, these are the winks that led up to it. Like they didn't just blow this shit out of their ass. It was a lead up to it. It really was in all aspects of it. And that's what we were talking about too. You know, it, it, it's. It's a season two, and for this show, I think it's why that's why a lot of people didn't follow it because it's only season two, and it was this detailed. Like this is kind of this is literally season eight level for Game of Thrones of what it should have been, yeah. and you're bringing it to a season two. And keep in mind, we still got season fucking and three to, to go your through. point. Season so, three has been nominated for Emmys already, so like it's got to be great. <laughs> Eleven. Wow. So like that's the thing. Like I mean, it, it's just, just it's a complete mind twist. And take a shot, fuck you guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Entirely. Um, but it, it's it's amazing the writing here because how intellectual and the detail the thought is. This is why, just like you were saying, I think the reviews online um, do not really reflect the show because what comes what it comes down to, you can't sit here and chat with a girl or a guy or sit there and do another project or work as you're sitting here watching this because you're going to miss the details that really make up the show. Just like we were talking about season three four five and six of game of thrones your bread and butter was the writing of this thing yes season seven right you know and i hate to keep going back to game of thrones but i mean people recognize for us for game of thrones because we spent a half a fucking year on it we did (laughs) season seven you know you have some of the most amazing visuals in the world but the reason it was flawed was because your writing was the bread and butter here you are giving us this in season two and it's sad because it's a little bit of the show's downfall for audience perspectives because they throw so much detail at you a lot of people didn't laugh right because like, think about know, it what normal people go back and re-watch a season that they just watched like a day before to re-catch the details like no one no one else really does it we do it because that's what we do here on the podcast but like <laughs> if you just see right. it for the first time i could understand why you'd be confused and why you maybe didn't like it that much because it just seemed like a bunch of shit got thrown out of nowhere but in reality it's not the case it was very well thought out and planned and written yeah, and that's where we come in. And that's, that's why this was recommended. That's where we come in, and I think that's where we leave off, my man.
<laughs> yeah, man. And um, uh, once again, you know, the numbers are always excellent. Uh, you know, uh, last week or the week before on the front page of uh, Podbean, which is pretty cool. It's our hosting it's site, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, keep going up there. Josh told me a story today. He was in Starbucks a couple weeks ago, and uh, the guys, uh, he was telling him about talking about podcasts and the guys were like oh factor fantasy yeah, it was yeah, really we've cool heard of that one we've listened to that it's good stuff so um you know it's just really amazing you know how you guys latch on and we realize there's a lot of other shit out there trust me josh and i are major nfl fans we run a a fantasy football league with a lot of other podcaster out there. Shoot, so, uh, not even just we, that. I'm in like four leagues. Period. Like I'm, not, I run like four leagues a year. Oh, yeah, man. So yeah, big one. Looking over here, five leagues. Uh, Tyree Kill, man, got us a touchdown <laughs> in, in our, our fantasy, fantasy league. Yeah, but we got some good podcasters in that, by the way. Um, yeah, uh, you know, Leave the Lights on podcast, uh, Pitts podcast. We got uh, our Film Rage guys. Um, they're doing like a Krampus thing for Christmas and stuff. So should be a good um, one. It, 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 I gotta say, you know, what's cool is, uh, you know, our audience members, we have those loyal followers that we've always wanted uh, from the beginning. And, and that's what we love most is we don't want people that, you know, uh, just follow us uh, through the Instagram a couple weeks and then drop off and we never see them again. You guys, it's really a testament to you because when we say we wouldn't be here without you, we really wouldn't, and we see you guys. Um, Y'all have been with us from the beginning since, I mean, we've even gotten reviews still on uh, Rise of Skywalker and the MCU, and uh, it's awesome, and um, we're here for the long haul for you guys. and and, uh, Here for the long haul, but out for the night. (laughs) So... We'll say this has been another ridiculous production. Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy. Signing off. off.